0: Welcome back to He's a Giant, a pod about all things college football and all things Giants football. I'm Sal here with my co host, Monty. What's going on, Monty? What's
1: going on, Sal? We're back from a, a big episode last week. Thank you, everybody, for oh my God, you guys blew that video up.
0: I know. We really appreciate all you guys and what you did. Um, and I, I'm glad you guys liked the format of how we rolled out the episode. It sounds like something that people enjoyed. So we'll be doing that again with this episode with the uh, live premiere hopefully loading i think at noon again yep. tomorrow yep. At noon on noon on friday so when you guys are watching this hopefully it'll be at noon um i don't know why i'm telling you that you're probably watching it live <laughs> right now uh but it's, we're recording a little late so apologize no thank you guys for all the support uh we were hoping for uh, you know maybe a little bit better than our usual viewership we did not expect where we got to uh thanks to all you guys we're, we're pushing well over six thousand views at this point which is insane i can't
1: believe
0: yeah and our yeah, we, we, we could believe what happened and our subscribers went up. So all of you guys who helped us out, everybody who viewed in. Um, and I just want to shout out some people. Mason, you definitely helped us out a little bit early on. We appreciate you hooking us up with spreading the word as did many others on all our friends on Giant Twitter. Authentic. Uh, appreciate you know you having me on on your show yesterday. I think that also helped. We love talking about this stuff and we really appreciate you guys. And we hope to keep bringing you good stuff. Um, but no, that's all I got to say. Hopefully we'll, you guys will enjoy this episode too. Uh, just to recap, last week uh, we kind of skipped a lot of the Giants talk. I think we're going to do the same thing because we're going to jump right into the quarterback part two episode. Uh, last week we did quarterbacks one through five. And for those who watched it, uh, hopefully all of you, there was a specific format we followed. We, we, we uh, went through various stats that we used to try to stratify these players In addition to a lot of the game film that Monty and I reviewed, we did the same thing. We reviewed anywhere from three to four coaches film games for these players going back at least one to two years. So we try to get a good feel for them on tape. We try to put that together with the data. Um, Our top five from last week as a recap, number one was Caleb Williams. Number two was Drake May. Number three was Shadur Sanders. Number four was J.J. McCarthy. And number five was Michael Penix Jr., and as we have mentioned before, this is a strong class. It's not five deep. It's probably more like 15 deep in terms of quality players who have some sort of role and value in the NFL, potentially draftable players. We're going to stick with 10. Um, so we're going to do quarterback six through 10 here. And this is our own personal rankings. I know there's going to be differences in how some other people do this. Um, but before we get into it, I just want to recap. Um some of the stats that we're going to be going through, just so you guys are refamiliar familiar with it. We're going to talk about things like expected completion percentage and completion percentage. Uh, again, expected, or excuse me, adjusted completion percentage is the completion percentage with confounders such as thrown away passes, balls that are hit at the line, quarterbacks taking a hit, spike balls taken out of the mix to try to really gauge accuracy of the quarterback. Uh, we're going to be talking about stats like um, pressure to sack rate and time to throw. These try to measure how long the quarterback holds onto the ball and how good they are at getting rid of the ball before when they're under pressure and, not, and avoiding sacks. Uh, and some baseline numbers for all those stats to remember for adjusted completion percentage in the NFL. When you're not under pressure, it's around 73%. When you are under pressure, it's around 63%. So we're looking for something like that. For the uh, pressure to sack rate, we're looking for a number of about 20%-ish or, or less. Um, and for time to throw, generally three seconds or less in the college game, we want it a little bit closer to 2.7 seconds or lower in the NFL game. That's just a quick rundown of the things to be aware of in terms of stats. Um, but before we get into this, to, to the rest of these uh, quarterbacks, Monty, do you have any other Thoughts you want to share with our with our friends here
1: i uh, just wanted to you know recap our quarterbacks from last episode as we go into six or ten here so just a reminder last week we had number one caleb williams number two drake may number three shador sanders number four jj mccarthy and number five michael Penix jr so those were our top five, and um, we're going to go ahead and dive into our top six here. Uh, do you have anything else before we do that, Sal?
0: No, let's get into these guys. Oh, one thing I'll say before we get in: um, the top. We will we will say right here that other than maybe the top guy that we're going to mention here there is definitely a difference between the top five and the next five agreed and we'll explain our differences in and you know we both saw it on their on their film and i think there is a there is definitely a little bit of a tear drop off here that said these are still good players and they fit the nfl and many of them are starting caliber players in the nfl but they're i don't think they're necessarily quite at the level of our top tier guys um no but i think that's kind of all i wanted to say as we go into this um And if you want, if you're ready, let's roll with, with quarterback six.
1: Yep. Let's, let's go ahead and get into it. So I'll pull it up and you can introduce it.
0: All right. So our QB six, this is going to be controversial because I've heard him referred to as high as QB three in this upcoming class. It's a big controversy, but QB six for us, Jaden Daniels from LSU. He is six foot four, 210 pounds. He's a fifth year player. He was a four star recruit In 2018, he was in the Elite 11, he was a finalist. He started his career at Arizona State and transferred for the last couple of years at LSU. Um, He has some incredible records that are worthy of sharing. He's the first player in FBS history to rush for over 200 plus yards and pass for 350 plus yards in the same game. He did that a a week or so ago. He's the only player in FBS history with 12,000 total passing yards and 3,000 total rushing yards, insane numbers. He set the SEC record with 606 total yards, 234 passing and 372 rushing in the win over Florida. Uh, And then that's just recently. In 2022, he had some solid numbers as well. I'll just rip through them very quickly. He had a 68.6% completion percentage, 2,913 passing yards, 17 passing touchdowns to only three interceptions. He rushed for an additional 885 yards with 11 rushing touchdowns. He did fumble the ball four times, but that's actually not a bad number if you remember. we that's, that's actually relatively low for some of these guys. He had an 87.8 overall PFF grade, a 79.1 passing grade, an 81.4 rushing grade, a 62.4 grade under pressure, which is a very good score. Uh, 69.1 of that was from running, and I think that's worthy of our discussion. And he had an 85.1 PFF grade beyond the first read, which is ninth best in college football so those are some of the basics um and then just like last time we're going to dive deep into some of his data and his and review some of the same time so money why don't you tell me what you think about Jaden daniels
1: are you muted that's my bad <laughs> he's an interesting player man he oh, yeah. you went through the, some of those like records and some of those stats there he is a really good player this year. And he's been playing college football for a long time. And he's really start really developed every single year. He's gotten to be a better and better player. And it's really showing this year. And he is seemingly improving throughout this season too. Like we both watched the uh, Florida state game, which was the opening game. And, you know, I wasn't overly impressed by that game. He was, he played all right but um you know unfortunately we haven't had the all 22 <laughs> to some of his more recent games but you know we did uh watch some broadcast cut-ups of that and try and watch through the full game that way and he is definitely a different player than we've seen earlier season you know in this most recent game against Florida he's probably the best he's been all year he just continues to get yeah. better and better he's a Really good player, and I I want to start out with all the positives on him because, like, there definitely is a lot to like about him. Uh, He has a really smooth and quick, compact delivery. Um, You know, his arm, I thought, was good. Maybe not great, but I thought he had good arm strength, definitely enough to, like, at the next level. Um, But I think the main things that I really liked about him was two things. I mean, one... He is an incredibly efficient deep ball passer, like incredibly efficient people who are watching this on YouTube. You can see right here. He has a 99.9 deep, deep ball grade. So he is ridiculously efficient throwing, uh, you know, 20 plus yards. He is awesome there. And, you know, he might not do that in the same way as like, a Drake may or Caleb Williams does where you know, you, when we went over them last week, you saw all that was kind of towards the the deep center because they can drive the hell out of a football and they kind of put them on ropes to there. While Jaden Daniels is more of like this touch, like, like, uh, lofted balls that he kind of just puts with so much accuracy and just kind of drops into a bucket for these guys. Um, so that that's something that's definitely a huge part of his game. Um, you know, Before we get into some of his other positives, what do you think about his deep game, Sal?
0: I think that's where he thrives. I mean, you see it, and it's really developed this year, and I think that's where, where he's kind of made his calling card is his deep ball passing. I mean, he he's really – I mean, the numbers obviously bear it out, but when you just watch him week after week, he's just an assassin in the deep game. He's, he's very comfortable dropping back. And throwing with anticipation into the you know into the deep game, uh, he trusts his receivers. Now he has very good receivers. He has two really top-notch receivers in Malik Neighbors, who's a projected first-round pick, and Brian Thomas Jr., who's a projected borderline first-second-round pick. Both guys who can who can threaten the deep half of the field. But he really does a great job of utilizing them. He throws with anticipation, throws these guys open. He just feels very comfortable throwing that deep ball. He has perfect arc on it places the ball very well it's amazing he seems more comfortable throwing the ball you know 50 yards down the field than he does throwing the ball five yards yeah, down the field which is something totally i think we, we have to get to it. he looks he looks he looks a little off kilter when he's throwing the sh- like in the short area but when he's throwing the deep ball he's totally in command um so i mean i think that's really his calling card i mean it's worth mentioning you know some of the data and i'm sure you'll get into it a little bit more but we talked about things like big time throws and and uh, turnover worthy plays, and I mean, I think you probably you have it you have it lifted up, uh, picked up over the excuse me, you have it on the screen over there. Um, might be worthy, might be worth going over some of these, these stats now. So adjusted completion percentage, we you know we want in the high seventies. He's seventy eight point six percent, so he's yep. solid there. His average depth of target is ten point four yards. That's actually quite deep. That's good. That's only, that's twenty fifth best in the FBS. His big time throw rate again. That's that's sort of you know the the way PFF defines that as either balls that are thrown into tight windows or into difficult coverage or down or deep down the field uh basically trying to calculate again sunday throws i think that's the simplest way to think about it you want you know double digits are really rare like to to see anybody anywhere above double digits but he's at 9.4 percent. i think that is the highest we've seen of these top prospects
1: and that's second in the country
0: yeah. I mean, big time throw of 9.4% is exceedingly high. Yep. Uh, his turnover worthy uh, play rate, again, to remind you guys, we wanted around 2% or so he's at 2.3%. So right in line. But when, you know, that ratio of big time throw to turnover worthy play, that's really excellent to be in darn near 10% on the big time throws and just about 2% of the turnover worthy plays it tells you he's taking shots and throwing difficult balls and he's not turning the ball over a lot. That's an impressive, impressive ratio. Um, and then his pressure to sack conversion rate is twenty one point one percent, which again is it's right right where you kind of want it, right around twenty percent, with a time to throw of two point eight nine seconds. So when you look at the advanced stats, he's kind of checking all the boxes, right? He's he's making big time throws, he's making Sunday throws, he's not turning over the ball a lot, he's not taking an excessive number of sacks, he's not holding on to the ball too long, and he's still producing explosive plays and when you watch his game film that translates into like you mentioned his deep ball accuracy his deep ball touch that's where he thrives that's his game as a passer deep. as a passer oh, and i think it's worthy of mentioning yeah that. but why don't you tell me some more about this guy because there's more to him than just that passing game for
1: sure and i wanted to touch on a couple more stats that i have here that's specifically to his deep deep passing so his yards per attempt passing is, uh, on deep. So 20 plus yard attempts, he has a 25.3 yards per attempt, which is number one in the country. So that's just insane. Uh, 25.3 yards per per attempt on, on balls over 20 yards. And then he has an adjusted completion percentage on attempts over 20 yards of 71.7%. There is never been a player in college football history who has had an adjusted completion percentage over seventy percent on deep balls past attempts. Never over seventy. He's at seventy one point seven. We'll see if he keeps that up and you know finishes the season with that record. But right now, that's a record-setting set at adjusted completion percentage. So just absolutely crazy numbers uh with him deep. So yeah, that's what to love about him. He you know he like I mentioned it's more touch and accuracy where he succeeds there he obviously has really talented wide receivers that help with this as well but um but unless that he has that ability to, to drive these balls deep which isn't a problem it's just a different type of style It's not that not that josh allen and justin herbert type of like necessarily style with the, those but there's still a lot of people who've succeeded with that like um, I know a comp that a lot of people use and what we actually a good kind of transition to a lot of people use Lamar Jackson comp with Jaden Daniels. And sometimes as a thrower, I can see that Lamar is, has a lot of those like slot fade attempts where he, uh, you know, he's good at like layering on the field with, with his touch. And I, I think Jaden Daniels does do that really well and has good accuracy and touch kind of like the intermediate to deep area of really putting touch and uh, using accuracy with those balls. Um, You know, Sal, you and I talked about this. There is a lot of Jaden Daniels uh, comps to Lamar Jackson, and we don't necessarily think that's the best comp from just because I think it's giving you a bad understanding of who he is as a runner. He is a fantastic runner. Don't get me wrong. He is an amazing athlete. I mean, um, his run versus Florida this week, according to RA Analytics, they, they track uh, GPS based off the videos of how fast people run. He had a 21.8 mile per hour run on that. That's insanely fast. He is a ridiculous athlete who has incredible acceleration, but his running style is totally different than uh, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's a guy who I'm watching him on TV as we speak here, who uh, is a guy who can buy time for himself, who can you know, really pull, juke people out of their shoes and has this ridiculous lateral ability. Uh, to me, that's not as much Jaden Daniels. He has, um, he's an athlete, so he does have some of that lateral ability, but he is a guy who, when he takes off, he's a straight-up runner, and he's just, running speed, standing almost a straight up It, you know, it, we, we talked about it, reminds us a little bit of You know, as giants fans, Daniel Jones has a little bats to him because he's just running straight and it's just straight line speed. Another comp that I mentioned to you was, uh, you no, know, he's obviously not physically like this guy, but Anthony Richardson has a little bit of that. He's not like a super agile guy. I think that comes a little bit more of his size. He's obviously a totally different, uh, body frame, than Jaden daniels but he's more of when you s- see him take off a lot and i remember watching a lot in college he was he s- stood straight up and he just took off and his acceleration and speed showed up on film and that's a little bit who i see when i when i watch it just not as powerful what 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 do you have the to say about that stuff
0: yeah i mean i think just transitioning as you did to the running part of the game which is obviously a huge part of his game I think this is worth noting. He is a true dual threat quarterback. He beats you with his arm, he beats you with his legs, and he stresses defenses. And I think that's sort of the mold of the modern NFL quarterback. You want that type of athlete who can basically keep the defense on their toes. Um, we mentioned in the passing game where he thrives on the deep ball and his touch, his accuracy, his efficiency. Um, before I go into the running, I do want to jump back to the passing a little bit there. These numbers are worthy of mentioning. His raw stats are just eye-opening. So, in the deep game, he's 30 of 46 for 1166 yards just in the plus 20 area, 17 touchdowns and no interceptions. That's a that's just a bonkers yeah. number to see like when you're throwing the ball that far away to have 17 touchdowns and not a single interception. 25 big-time throws. That leads college football in the deep area if I'm not mistaken, the 25 big-time throws that are deep to one turnover-worthy play deep. So he has a 52.1% big throw, big big-time throw percentage on the deep ball. 52.1% of his throws are considered big-time throws in the deep ball, and he has only 2.1% of those being turnover-worthy plays. So it's I just want to emphasize just how incredible his deep passing game is and how much of a weapon he has made it as a passer. This is the main reason he's getting so much love. You know, the main reason as a passer, people are really you know, falling into the Jaden Daniels camp. As a runner, the Lamar Jackson comp, I understand why people make it because of the whole run pass combination at elite production levels,
1: you have to count as you
0: mentioned. You have to account for it. But as you mentioned, he doesn't run anything like Lamar Jackson. You watch him. We watch several game game films on him. And he is absolutely a guy who, the way he utilizes the run is he goes through his progressions in a limited manner like one thing we uh, a a knock on him I would say is he doesn't read the entire field regularly Mm -hmm. he often will cut the field in half I don't know if that's him or if that's coaching but he'll go through one to two reads on the half field side and he will hold the ball to try to look for the deep play for a split second but once he decides it's not there he's not running and scrambling to try to find a throwing lane he's not resetting his feet or looking to throw once he's made the decision mentally that I'm running He's running. That's it. The, the, the passing play is over, and then he becomes a runner. He has the speed to make that into a big play. But his running style, in my opinion, is very dangerous. He's 6'4", 210 pounds. Anthony Richardson is 6'4", 240 pounds. Yeah. 240 pounds of pure yoked-up muscle. Anthony Richardson can run right into you, and you're, and you're going to bounce off him, and he's just going to laugh. Jaden Daniels is going to run into somebody, and he looks like he's going to break in half. Like he's Devonte Smith, he takes some vicious, vicious hits when he runs. Yep. I mean, it is—it's it, kind of rough to watch when he takes it. There's a there was a play against Florida State. Where he literally decides to run the ball, I think he pulls it back on a on a zone read, and he tries to run right up the middle with the middle linebacker. Do you remember this play?
1: Is it the one where he tries like hurtling over the middle? Yes,
0: <laughs> he tries hurdling the he tries hurdling the the like the the pile, and the linebacker just absolutely demolishes him. I mean, yeah. it it's actually painful to watch. Like, oh my god, like he let a, That's a middle linebacker. A and lot he, of you know even in college running ability and he gets just absolutely jolted backwards. There are, there's play after play like that on film of him taking needless hits, big hits. This is where, don't feel offended by by this, but by the, for the people who love him, specifically you, Obed. Um, <laughs> he, he runs like, he runs more like Daniel Jones than he runs like Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson doesn't run like that. Lamar Jackson jukes people, finds a lane, runs, picks up yardage. And he'll either run out of bounds without getting hit or he'll slide. But he's not going to he's, – he's not typically going to take on head-on collision contact on a regular basis. Yep. He'll take on some contact. But he's also a stronger runner. Like he could take on contact. He still chooses not to. Jaden Daniels, I think, thinks he's about 50 pounds heavier than he yeah. is. And he takes a monster sets. He gets away with it in college. At the NFL level, that would concern me. That's a, that is a concern I have with his running style. In the NFL level, like he's going to have to learn how to run out of bounds, or at the very minimum, learn how to slide. Because if he's going to take hits like that, I'd be worried about his health at his frame. So that I think that's a significant concern. But as a runner, he's fast, he's athletic, he can he can be a real threat. Um, I want to get into if you unless you have anything else to add here, I wanted to get into some of the other stuff I have on him in my notes. Um, let's talk about his mechanics a little bit. We talk about that for every player. So this guy has a nice smooth delivery. He's, he's got a quick throwing motion. He has good arm strength. I don't think he has elite arm strength, but he has good arm strength that he can, and he can spray the ball in the short intermediate area with pretty decent zip. Uh, and like I said, on the deep ball, he relies more on the sort of like that perfect looping arc that he throws. He throws a beautiful deep ball, but he's not, he's not throwing, you know, frozen ropes like some guys do. That's just not in his arsenal. Um, he throws with very good anticipation especially in the deep area i think he sees he can see his receivers getting close to you know stacking dbs and he he lets that ball go way before they've got separation he throws them open he stands strong in the pocket as he's doing that he has a good clock you know you can tell like he's he knows when he has to take off and run he doesn't take a lot of needless sacks Mm -hmm. um and like i said in the cons He's not a passer when he runs. He's a runner when he runs. Um, and while he can throw the ball from one hash to the other sideline, which is a trait you look for, his accuracy really falls. You watch him on tape, and like it, that's what I was saying. Like th- balls that are thrown like from the line, behind the line of scrimmage to maybe like ten yards down the field, he will spray the ball and miss receivers mm-hmm. um, way more than he will in the deep ball. Yeah, so he's not super accurate in that short and intermediate area, and that shows up in the data also. Uh, one thing I know you noticed it. I noticed it. He has a tendency to lock on his first read. Yeah, that was my and kind of word. stay with him a little. Yeah, stay with him a little bit too long. Again, half field reader. I think he's trying to. I think he's trying to hit a home run, and he locks, locks, locks. And if he doesn't have it, he runs. Um, and I think rather than flying through his progressions in a full field manner, that is a negative on him. Something that I think you can coach out of him in the NFL level, but I think it's worth mentioning because some of the guys we had in the top five already do that, yeah. where they actually do full field reads. Um, that's kind of it. I mean, I don't want to sound like we're knocking the guy a lot. I think he has a couple of things in his game that need improvement. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, he's a fine football player. He can throw a good deep ball. Uh, I think he has enough things in his arsenal as a passer where he can be successful at the next level. And when you complement that with his running ability – starting NFL quarterback with you know if I have to place him somewhere at his peak I think he's a guy who kind of flirts with like the top 10 in terms of mm-hmm. his ability to prove in, in terms of overall production and yardage touchdowns things like that uh, that's sort of my breakdown of Jaden Daniels like but what what are your thoughts on him as a player in sure total?
1: so I mean I think you hit on a lot of a lot of my thoughts on him Um like you said my my biggest concern when I was watching him on tape was just that It seemed like he got stuck on his first read a lot and was even if he wasn't stuck on his first read, he was stuck in like a half field read. And maybe, you know, that could be a coaching thing. Maybe they they said, hey, we're just going to break this down to be half field reads like and sometimes he had full field. But maybe that would just like they put a lot of plays that were just like, here's your half field read play off of this. That might have been it because I but it was very often I would just see him for a long time he'd be like looking to his right he'd be looking and he'd be looking and he'd be looking either he makes a play you know sometimes quick sometimes he'd really wait it out and throw it or as soon as he looked to his left it's almost like you know he's taken off because it was he would look to see something quickly and then he'd go and i saw that a ton and you know it concerns me one from like does he have the ability to be a full, to do that full field progression Two, it's like, it's not like you can't really look off like safeties or anything like that. If you're just doing that half field progression, like I saw a lot of safeties just drive as soon as uh, right where, um, he was looking right away. Um, you know, so that, that's some of my issues with them. That's definitely worries me the most from what I saw. Um, you know, we, you mentioned it with, uh, his running ability where He's he's a good runner and it is like kind of mentioned when he's running. It's not like he's running and pulling up at the line of scrimmage and throwing it. It's almost like those old like football video games where you had to click the button to turn your quarterback into a rusher and then you were rushing. You couldn't go back to passing. That's like him. As soon as he makes a decision like he's he's a it's over. He's a rusher now. Um, and yeah. even like, you don't see him extend the play often as a runner. Like he really wants to win from the pocket, which is a good thing too. Like, like for somebody with his athleticism wanting to win from the pocket, like that's, that's a good trait to have when you're trying to bring a guy over to the NFL that translates well. And if you like, you know, you have the athleticism athleticism to ask him to do more, but the fact that you don't have to coach that out of him is probably a good thing. Um, you mentioned, he has a really good internal clock. So although like once he makes that decision to run, he's running, it's not like he's making that decision premature. He's it, it, it he once, you know, you no, know, granted, I'd like him to kind of like read the other side of the field before he makes a decision to run, but he gave like the time to throw plenty of time to really let it develop on the, the routes he was reading before he takes off. Um, I'm trying to think what else I had here. I feel like I had a couple stats I want to go. Oh, so hang on, I'm going to jump over here to uh, look at the graph here of where he throws in the field. You mentioned, you know, how successful he was deep. And if you notice, he layers it all over, like, the field. All over deep. He hits outside left, between the numbers, outside right. Like, he... 11 attempts, 17 attempts, 18 attempts, five touchdowns, six touchdowns, six touchdowns. There's no other quarterback we looked, like, we looked at who had that type of success. And I think that kind of shows up partly what we were talking about with like a like a Drake May and a Caleb Williams where they really attack between the numbers deep. And I think that came with their arm strength and that was something where they could squeeze a ball in. Wow, you know, Jane Daniels just has this deep, accuracy where he can put the ball wherever he wants especially with this talent he has as wide receivers um you know he puts it in that intermediate area is very good there um one knock not really a knock but something to consider look at here with this behind the line of scrimmage middle here you see this 36 for 36 behind the line of scrimmage between the numbers um one thing i noticed was a huge part of their offense is they'd run those uh those sweeps that would go in front of the quarterback and it would just be like a little toss to him type of thing. So, you know, yeah,
0: you can't do that in the NFL. <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's it's two hundred and thirty five yards and two touchdowns. It's not a lot. He has he has a ton of other yards, but just like saying like that's really a run, and it's just getting counted as a uh as a pass. So just something yeah. that I noticed, and then when I pulled up these numbers, I saw how like big that is like i mean that can just be like a little screen too it's not all that but it's a lot of that um and
0: i think that that's something in the nfl like now with the new rule change like you can do that play but you can't use that as a zone read with a you know and and not hand the ball off mm -hmm. with the receiver running in front of you right that's like a new rule so it takes away the ability for the pass play on a play like that so that i don't think it's a huge part of his game but that is part of his game is that is that kind of sort of like essentially like that jet sweep kind of motion you know play but what else did you have on this guy as a as a passer or just as overall as a prospect
1: uh i didn't have too much man i think we kind of nailed everything about him. i mean uh i guess he you know like i said he's he could be more accurate in like that short to intermediate area. I don't think he's inaccurate by any means, but he certainly, I certainly wouldn't use the word as like very accurate. Like he's probably average to above average in that area. Um, then yeah, man, I, I don't have too much. Oh, one thing, you know, I meant I wanted to call out, um, buddy brendan he he sent me he asked a question on twitter of somebody from pff who had the grades on uh grades beyond their first read in pff so interesting enough that we we had issues with him getting stuck on his first read but it appears when he did go beyond his first read and maybe you know same side of the field whatever it may be he had an 85.1 pff grade beyond his first read which is ninth. In the country i have that number for a few of these guys so we'll go through it but that's a really good number so maybe some projection to him being a full full field like uh progression type quarterback in the nfl that you know that shows that he's had some success doing that so worth mentioning yeah i think i think
0: before we move on to the next person it's worth sort of projecting out where Jaden daniels likely fits in the nfl because He started the year sort of, kind of at the peripheral edge of the radar of the top quarterbacks to watch, and he's he's worked his way into you know like really climbing into the discussion of first round grade, which I personally think he's basically at this point earned. Yeah. Uh, For most most uh, evaluators are, are kind of layering on a, a first round grade on him, and many people have decided to move him all the way up to QB three in the class um you know specifically assuming if Shadur sanders does not declare that he would slide up to three ahead of guys like mccarthy and penix and others um and i think it's for all the reasons we mentioned he's already gotten his arsenal like this dual threat type game and a very good accurate deep ball which again i mean if that's all you've got that's still a pretty significant you know set of tools to bring to the nfl I don't think he fits in every offense. Um, I agree. I I think, you know, the half field read stuff, I I just don't know what to make of it. I don't know if that's something that's, that's a coaching point because it's how they want to run their offense or if it's something that they feel is necessary for him. My suspicion is if he comes into the NFL and goes into a situation where he is a year one starter, you likely will have to have a coach who's willing to let him live off that half field read type system at least early on you know, to get his feet wet um and take advantage of his natural uh skills and tools. I have a hard time placing him. I really do. Like some of the other quarterbacks, I was very firmly like, yeah, this is where he fits. I don't know where Jaden Daniels fits. Uh yeah. You know, it, it's tough. I think, I think ideally you want a coaching staff. You almost want like Pat Shermer in the league, you know, to, for this guy, because it seems like he's a Pat Shermer, perfect prospect. Like He's a guy who can, who you can use going high to low reads and, and, and run and a guy who can really good be a good half field guy. I think he fits in a zone read system. Let's start there. I do think he can do well in a zone read system where he can, you know, he can be like a run pass option at quarterback. Is he ready to step in and be a starter on a on a team that has an ability to win right now? I think that part I'm I'm not so sure about. And because of his age, is he somebody that a team that's rebuilding altogether really wants to take a swing on and say, we're going to develop him still not sure. So to me, he's kind of a tweener. Like, I think mm-hmm. he's a good player. I think he comes in and he can start for a lot of teams. I just don't know where he fits exactly. I know a lot of people view him as like a fit for the giants. I can see that. I can see a guy like Brian Dable saying I can work with this kid, with yeah. his skill set, you know, and, and, and make use of him. So maybe that is sort of a nice landing spot, but I do struggle. I've been racking my brain thinking about this for days. I cannot come up with like a perfect landing spot for Jaden Daniels. I'm not really sure where he fits but he's a good football player and i th- i personally don't think he's QB3 but i think he's earned the right to be viewed as somebody who's in contention for a first round pick
1: yeah so it's interesting man like as much of all these good things we said about Jaden Daniels and i think he has some you arguably elite traits which is something you really look for in a quarterback but i didn't necessarily think those elite traits were like something that I'm looking for for projectable traits, the NFL, not that deep throw ability isn't projectable. Absolutely is. It's not that like his running ability isn't projectable. absolutely is. But like, it's just all the things in between that's like 90% of the time as a quarterback. It's not that he was bad in those. It's just, that's, that's not what, like, like, there's such a huge difference between who he is with, you know, that deep ball and his running ability. He really lives. He really lives. I wouldn't say he even lives and dies. He really just lives in that area in college. Those are like the two things he totally dominates with. And that's how he wins. And, you know, I'm thinking to the NFL, and I don't think there is a good fit for him. Because, you know, we'll go back to the we'll go back to the Lamar Jackson comp for a second. Again, I don't think it's a good comp, but I think it's a good comp in the sense of when Lamar Jackson came to the league, there wasn't a good fit for Lamar Jackson. There wasn't anybody who could do who Lamar what Lamar Jackson did. And what what it took was the Ravens having to draft him with a plan and create an offense for Lamar Jackson. I think it's similar with Jaden Daniels. If you're gonna draft Jaden Daniels, you have to draft him with a plan and you have to tailor an offense to Jaden Daniels strength. And there isn't like a quarterback, or it's not like an offense where I'd be like, Yep, this guy is a fit right there. He's he is a weird mix between like a system quarterback, but with like high-end abilities. Cause he has to get put into a system that makes him that takes advantage of his skills. Like, I don't think he's a guy who's a freelancer or anything like that. They need to pl- a, play to his skills.
0: I agree. I think he's a guy that like you have to build an offense around. That's the bottom line. Um, You just have to say, I got this guy. I'm going to build completely around him. I'm going to redesign the offense for him and and let it work. Because I think you try to plug him into a pre existing structure. It, I don't know if he fits very you know perfectly in in a lot of pre existing structures. So. Unique prospect. Um,
1: I'll tell you.
0: Really good football player.
1: I'll tell you one spot I'd love him, not for like a fit offensively, just a spot in general. I'd love to see Antonio Pierce get that head coaching job in Vegas and he go reunite with him because he was a coach with him over at Arizona State. And, you know, I think his confidence and his leadership would be great in uh, Vegas and what what Antonio Pierce is trying to build over there. I think that would be a really cool fit, but you'd have to bring in an offensive coordinator who can kind of set things up for him.
0: But that's a, but that's a good one because I think Antonio Pierce would not have like a preconceived structure. of This is what my offense looks like. I think he would just take the player and say, I'm going to build around the player and I'm going to bring in the right coaches. You know, I mean, in theory he would bring in ahead of time, he'd bring in his coaches, but maybe Tell his coaches work with this guy, build an offense for this guy, and we're going to run our offense that way. Because I, I think that's a that's a good kind of system. Because that's kind of what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. You know, um, I'm not a, the biggest Greg Roman fan, but to yeah. some extent, early in his career, they crafted an offense that they thought was suited to his skill sets. I mean, and to be fair, he won an MVP in his second year doing that. Uh, so it did work. It just was a limited offensive style that didn't take advantage of all his full traits as a passer, which you're now seeing be developed better in the new system that he's in. Um, But I mean, I think that's sort of it. I mean, I think Jaden Daniels is a great prospect right now. I think he's a leading candidate to win the Heisman Trophy. Um, It's going to help his cause. And I see him landing. Gosh, I've seen him as high as I saw a mock today where he landed 11th, I think on a CBS Sports mock. Um, That seems high. Yes. That really does seem high to me, but would it shock me if he landed around like that top 15? I guess not because he's getting so much love. Personally, I view him as more of like a back end of round one, you know, I agree. Maybe early, maybe like early round two, back end of round one kind of guy as a quarterback. That's probably worthy of a back end of round one pick, but that's how I value him. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if somebody values him more. I think this is going to be my preference.
1: Yep. And you know, I agree. That's right where I have him too. But I mentioned it to you earlier. Um, Brugler was talking about him on the athletic pod uh, came out yesterday, I believe. Mm -hmm. And he was basically saying, you know, not as a player comparison, but like where he might go draft wise. Like, look, Deshaun Watson was looked at as a late first rounder, early second rounder type guy for a lot of the draft process. And he rose up the board and went 12. Yep. So who knows, man?
0: We'll see. He's, he's a very intriguing prospect to see how this all plays out for. All right. Do you want to go up to, to the next quarterback prospect we got?
1: Yep. Let's go to the next guy.
0: All right. So you, you're going to take this one. I believe this is QB seven in our
1: list. Yep. So QB seven, Bo Nix, big time college quarterback. Been a long, around for a long time and a big name in college football. Um, he's playing over at Oregon. He's six two. 217 pounds and he's in his fifth year he was a four-star recruit he was in the 2018 elite 11 he was a finalist he actually was there with with uh jayden daniels they both competed in that together um he transferred from auburn where he was the first true freshman starter at auburn since 1946 um his dad played at auburn um and you know he's been starting college football for 5 years now he has the most starts by a quarterback in NCAA history he set that record this year i mean you'll probably hold that record for potentially ever because because, yeah. because of covid he set that record and you know short of another global pandemic that allows somebody to get an extra year of starting that's going to be the bone x record so um, you know, he also, I'll throw out, he also played baseball and basketball in high school. But, uh, here's some of his stats from 2022. Like, he had a really good year. He had a 71.9 completion percentage, that. not adjusted, just normal old completion percentage. Uh, 3,593 passing yards, 29 passing touchdowns, 17 interceptions seven interceptions not 17 i'm sorry <laughs> 510 rushing yards 14 rushing touchdowns one fumble an 86.9 pff grade a 79.2 passing grade in 81.6 running grade in 82.6 grade under pressure really really good um, throughout, He has 88.2 of that is as a ru- runner. So he's also just good at getting out as a runner. That's where a lot of that comes from. That's with a lot of these guys. Um But interesting enough, he has a 70 PFF grade beyond his first read. So beyond his first read is only only 70 and that's 45th in the country. That's the last out of like every guy we've talked about so far. So um that's the other side of it, man. Uh, you know, those are kind of, that's kind of an overview, but why don't you get, talk a little bit more about what you thought of watching Bo Nix?
0: Bo Nix is a really interesting watch um, because I think we've all, anybody who watches college football has been watching Bo Nix for a long time. He's been around forever. Um, you know, he started his career at Auburn, as you mentioned, kind of Auburn family legacy. Starting as a freshman was was hard for the kid. I think it put him into a lot of pressure and he wasn't ready. And you saw him struggle those years at Auburn. He goes to Oregon and he much like Michael Penix Jr., he resurrects his career. You know, to his credit, it, it can't be easy being viewed as sort of like Auburn royalty, starting as a freshman, failing and then saying, I gotta leave here. This is because he probably grew up in a household that was like Auburn everything, yeah. right? For him to get up and leave and say, I'm going to go to Oregon halfway across the country to figure this out and relearn the game and make himself into a quarterback. I think that takes a lot. It's the same thing. Michael Penix Jr. Did. Um, and it did. And he did it to his benefit. He's a different quarterback now. He like. was sort of an, he, he was, he was a mess at Auburn. If you remember, Like yep. th- he didn't know what the hell he was doing out there. He would, it was turnover after turnover, terrible reads, bad decision making. He was not a good player. And he's the opposite of that now. When you watch him on film, you know we'll, we'll dive deeper into some of the numbers. You've already kind of outlined some of that, how impressive some of these numbers are. But what you see on film, in summary, is just a very, very smart quarterback, a smart, efficient quarterback who does not put the ball in harm's way, and he, you know, and and he moves the chains now couple you know I, I have my notes here on him so when you watch the film you see a few things they stand out you know he's, he's a he's a strong kid he's got a good compact delivery again i know like kind of like jaden denny slightly different like you know mechanistically but the same concept he has a he has a good mechanics a good strong compact delivery gets the ball out quick with a lot of zip he has good arm talent especially in the short and intermediate area he can he can zip it you know when he's throwing mm-hmm. the ball up to about fifteen to twenty yards. Right when he's throwing in that range, he he's really he's hitting tight window throws. He's zipping it. He looks like he's got a lot of velocity on that ball. He processes the game about as well as anybody in the class, right and now. I think that's his greatest strength. Right, like you see him. Whereas Jaden Daniels, not that he wasn't a good processor, but I think he either by by some sort of design was kind of a half field guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Bo Nix takes a snap and he's across the whole field, right? He's viewing the entire field. He's going through all his progressions and he's processing pre-snap, post-snap. He knows where his receivers are going. He knows where the defense is. He's very quick at making diagnoses with the ball in his hand and he gets the ball out quickly. He's able to make that decision, analyze the field and make a call very quickly. He gets the ball out quickly. And because of that, he doesn't get sacked a lot. He limits what the impact of pressure is on him because he's such a good processor. He throws with good anticipation on top of that. Like he processes quickly. He senses where the routes are going to break and he gets the ball out quickly before those breaks happen. He's very good. Now I should add, all of this is where, you know, all of this is true, but where he excels in all of these things is in the short to intermediate area. That's the thing. Everything is right in front of him, not too far away. And specifically between the hash marks, I, 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 you know, between the hash marks is where this guy lives. He goes through his full field reads, but where he wants to be, like when you watch his film, you know what you notice? Mesh crossers, mesh crossers. Mm -hmm. I mean, all game long. And I think quick, quick, quick. And I think that's Oregon. Maybe that's just offensive design, but I think they knew what they had in him. They knew that this is where this guy excels. And they designed an offense where it was a lot of stuff over the middle. Um, It was a lot of stuff in that short to intermediate area, but, but he's really outstanding in that area. They didn't ask him to push the ball down the field a ton but he can push the ball down the field Mm -hmm. and he has a very nice touch on on a lot of deep balls. Like it's an impressive touch, but you know, does he have the kind of arm that can consistently push the down, the ball downfield with velocity into tight windows? No, we've saw, we saw throws on film where it, you know, some of his deep balls, just, they die. They Mm. die like an Oregon duck. Yeah, like They they, they get up there and they, they hit something in the sky and they just fall. And, There are limitations to his arm talent and his arm strength, Um, but there are some more pros. He's a good scrambler. I think unlike Jaden Daniels, who when he starts running, Jaden Daniels is a runner, right? He hits the run switch, he's a runner. Bo Nix is a guy who runs to throw. Mm -hmm. He scrambles out of pressure, and he keeps his eyes down the field all the time. His head is always up. It's on a swivel, right? He breaks the pocket. He starts scrambling, and he has good athleticism. He can run. But he's looking to throw the ball. He generally does throw the ball. Like he doesn't throw it very far. You see him on those throw runs. He's looking for like a short crosser or something in the flat. But he wants to get the ball out. And he does a good job of getting the ball out when he's on the run. Um, he's and, and he can throw the ball off platform. Like he doesn't have to reset his feet when he does that. Like you see him. He's in full stride. He does not have to stop to throw the ball. He can actually get the ball out quickly. Again, he's not pushing the ball down the field a ton doing that. But I think he has very good insight into what his strengths are. He's an advanced passer in a different way than Michael Penix. But I think he's matured. He knows what he's good at. He knows what he's not good at. And he continuously maximizes what he is good at. And again, what he's good at is keeping that ball in front of him in the short to intermediate area, processing quickly, making quick decisions, and punishing defenses, which is sort of chipping away, chipping away, chipping away with those quick passes. What the cons I had on him, I mentioned some of these, right? He loses accuracy and strength when he's pushing the ball down the field. Um, he relies a lot on bootlegs, like
1: yep. it's a
0: lot like our the the Giants' offense last year with Daniel Jones. Like the think about the Chicago game, it was very right? much like bootleg. our offense last year. Right, you saw a lot of that on, on the Oregon tape, where it's just like snap bootleg, snap bootleg, you know, and 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 there's just a ton of that. Is that a negative or a positive? I don't know, but he does a ton of it. Um he does have a lot of one read throws. And I think that's true for a lot of players. It was a little bit more pronounced on his tape, how often he was find the first read, get the ball out quick and get get it to him. Um, and because of that, like, while the numbers, when you, if you scout backwards on Bo Nix, or if you just analyze his, his advanced stats, and then you go back and look at his, his film, like you're expecting something pretty incredible on film and, from the advanced stats, which are really outstanding. And then you watch the film, and you're like, "Wow, this is really boring." Yeah, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot of like easy, quick stuff. Boom, boom, boom. It's very much like the Giants' offense from last year. If you guys want to get a feel for it, Uh, it's more full field reads, but it's a lot of the same concepts. Right? It's it's a lot of bootlegs, a lot of short area throws. It's a lot of misdirection, but it's one read, quick hit, run one read, quick hit, a little bit of running. It's very, very efficient, and because of that, I think if you're viewing him through the lens of that production. In my mind, Bo Nix is a he's a system quarterback. I don't think he's a guy that can plug and play in any system. Um, You know, you and I went back and forth on where we think he fits, what team specifically. Where we landed was a Shanahan tree system. You know, Um, I think that he's a 49er. You think he's a Ram. Um, You know, but I think the idea is in a Shanahan system where they're creative with how they use the quarterback, they're not necessarily asking him to push the ball deep all the time. They want him to take the easy stuff underneath. They want him to be efficient. Bo Nix would thrive in this system. I think he would be an upgrade over Brock Purdy, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, but, you know, that's sort of what I've got on, on Bo Nix. And I went through a lot. but. Yeah. I want to hear what you saw and what your thoughts are.
1: So yeah, I mean you—you you definitely you touched on everything there. That he's a good player, but there's definitely things that didn't necessarily—I didn't necessarily love when I saw on tape when I was you know looking at the stats going into this and when I watched him on Saturdays. You know, I saw a lot of fun plays. I saw an offense that scored a lot of points. Um, and then when you dive into it, he—he's a data darling, man. He. Those stats are incredible for Bonix. Off the charts. I mean off the charts. I'm gonna go through them here. Uh so we went through 2022. Let's go through 2023. Anybody who's watching and see him right here, but if you're listening, he has a 91.6 passing grade, he has a 90.9 intermediate grade, he has a 95.5 deep grade, he has a ninety-one point two grade under uh with no pressure and an 85.8 pressure grade, 85.8 pressure grade. That grade under pressure is better in most quarterbacks, like without pressure, it's, that's an insane grade. And, you know, to add some context to that a little bit, he also, you know, granted, like this is just what he did under pressure, but he is the least pressured quarterback in the entire country. So that is not something he deals with often. I know the stat is only for when he's under pressure, so it, you you know, he is successful in the situation, but he's only pressured on 14.4 percent of his dropbacks. That is the lowest in the entire country. He only has only been sacked four times this year. They have a fantastic offensive line at Oregon. Their left tackle is going to be a very highly drafted next year. He is not eligible this year, but he's very good, and, you know you look here is their average time to throw is only 2.41 seconds that is getting the ball out insanely fast as 10th in the country that is that is nfl fast which is a good thing but also you know plays in more where he doesn't really get pressured um
0: but, that's fast in the nfl yeah like that that would be like probably top five in the nfl in terms of time to throw i think
1: yeah and co- in college like says more around three seconds and that's insane um some of these other stats here, again, just some ridiculous stats here. Uh, the adjusted completion percentage is 85.2. That's insane. That would be the highest in NCAA history. That is just ridiculous production. Average up target is 111. That shows up on tape. Only six. Only 6.9. His big-time throw rate is only 4.0. It's 72nd in the country. Again, that shows up on tape. That's some of the negatives. But his turnover-worthy throw plays, point eight percent point eight of the time he he has which is first in the country he does not put the ball in harmed ways he is you know 745 deep yards that's a good thing he has he has a got a great player there in Troy Franklin who is a really good deep ball uh really with those deep balls and he can put a lot of touch on on those balls um his pressure to sack conversion rate 9.8 really, really good number. Again, you want to see that underneath 20s, underneath 10. So insanely impressive numbers. So, you know, this was something where going into this week of watching Bo Nix, I had high expectations for what I expected. I, you know, when I watched them on Saturdays, I had fun watching them. I saw some really big plays. These numbers were impressive. I thought, look, I know this offense is a lot of like short plays and that's okay it's not necessarily about what you're being asked to do it's about what you can do and he was doing everything he could given those situations but when I went through the tape I just didn't see a quarterback that was capable of doing more than what he was being asked he you know he did a good job he has no me take that back he had a great job of working within that system. He delivers the ball on time with anticipation and accuracy, and he's able to buy time for himself and, you know, create passes by being able to move around that pocket. But I did not see a quarterback that could drive the ball. Um, there was one play specifically when I was watching Utah from 2022, he was throwing a screen to the field side. Um, so it's a little bit further of a throw. And he was expecting to drive that ball in there. And that ball just died in the air. And those are like, when you're, you know, when you have an NFL arm, you gotta really drive that there and and get that in there. And they just picked that thing off and it, it did not come with any zip. You know, he can work within the numbers extremely well. But when you get outside the numbers, the arm strength just doesn't seem to be there and i i thought he had more arm strength than he did and i just it i didn't see it when i was looking there and he loses some accuracy outside the numbers as you mentioned um man i just i don't think that he has a ton of upside but he but what he brings is a floor he may not have a ceiling yeah. but he is he may have the highest floor of any quarterback in this draft, which is definitely something to be commended. Like he has something to draft for. But as you mentioned, we, we both feel he's going to be best fit in a Shanahan type offense. Um, My argument for the Rams, and that's more Now, I agree with you with everything with the 49ers. I think it would be a fantastic fit, and I just think that there's some some commitment to Brock Purdy there right now, and I think if he went over to the Rams, who I think are either going to be, if not moving on from Stafford next year, probably the year after that, and I think he could run that offense very, very well. I think he gives you enough ability to extend plays, but also just... Deliver exactly what you want from him. Like, he's not going to necessarily elevate the offense, but if you have an offense that you want him to run and you have a great offensive mind, he'll be able to run everything you ask him to with perfection. It's just being able to take that and take it to the next level that I don't think Bo Nix is necessarily capable of doing. So, although I really like him, I think that he is going to be very dependent on the system he's in. If he gets drafted by, by somebody who does not have a good offensive system for him, he's just a guy. He really is. He's a guy who will not put the ball in harm's way and will do his best to work within what he's being asked to do. But I think in the right system, you could see the, we, we, we made comps to the, Alex Smiths of the world the Brock Purdy's yep. of the world I think uh you know he's, he has some Derek Carr to his game like he's a good quarterback but he's not a great one um yep and Annie Dalton even maybe but uh he I don't see a special quarterback yeah
0: I agree I, I think that I think you nailed it um there's nothing wrong with Bonix. Like, there's just nothing. When you look at it, there, he's, he's, a, he's a complete product. I mean, there's not a lot of projection left. Hard to project out a guy who has more college starts than anybody in the history of college football. You know, he's done everything he can to develop down there. And and when you look at his advanced stats, he's he's like in the 90th to 99th percentile in almost every passing grade. Um, you know, he does everything well, but like, you, you know, the, the numbers that stand out in a good way. The adjusted completion percentage rate of 85.2%, amazing. Right. amazing. The turnover-worthy rate of 0.8%, amazing. The pressure-to-sack conversion rate of only 9.8%, amazing. The one number that sticks out, though, that I think is worthy of paying attention to is his big-time throw rate, yep. you know? The Sunday throw rate. Yep. Again, think of that as the Sunday throw, 4%. It's not impressive, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, he's, and, and it shows up on film, right? Like, he doesn't... There's nothing he does that's wow. There's no wow factor to his game yeah, in yeah. terms of his his you know like other than his processing. And I, and if you appreciate important. the cerebral aspects of the game, which we do and we should, he's got that down. And I think that's why I think he would do, be very successful in the right system. But is he going to beat you with elite arm talent? Absolutely not. So system quarterback in the right system could be really good. Last two thoughts I have on Bo Nix: one. He's the guy that I can see, like, getting drafted to a team, taking over for a struggling veteran in his rookie year and coming in and just, like, looking really great. Like, just somebody who understands the game, He moves the ball down the field, throws a touchdown, looks solid, team rallies around him, and people are talking about him, and they're saying, how did you guys all get this wrong? Bo Nix is so good, right? And effect. then over time, exactly. And then after, you know, several games, you're going to be like, oh, I see why. Because there's just certain things he can't do. He's just really he's good, not great. The way I would describe his throws. You ever play? Do you ever play little league baseball? Yeah. So they when you when you pitch in little league baseball, you you remember this, right? When you throw your fastball, they say don't throw it to the catcher. Throw it through the catcher, mm-hmm. right? Throw it to the backstop. And then there are some guys who throw it to the catcher. Yeah, who can't. Bo Nix throws it to the catcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not he's not he's not driving it through the catcher to the backstop. He's throwing it to the catcher. Like he's very, very accurate and efficient at getting the ball to its desired target. And as long as that target is not too far away, meaning not too far outside the numbers and not too deep down the field, he can drive it with efficiency, with accuracy. But if you're asking him to Push the ball into tight windows with velocity down the field, like with with some pop, with some pop. That's where he's going to struggle. Yes. That's going to cause limitations in his game. And I think that's the best way to describe Bo Nix. So th- um, the last
1: thing I yeah. had on him is it kind of goes in where you're saying where where he might succeed as a rookie. And he's, that kind of that Brock Purdy effect. I mean, I think there's two things that you looked at Brock Purdy where you're like, oh wow, that's why he succeeded? You you see with, with Bonex. He I think this guy's gonna nail the S2 tests. I mean, he is such yep. a smart quarterback who is so quick at processing. I think he's going to be top percentile in that test. And look, guys, yep. let's let's not clown on how long he's been in college football and how many starts he has. You you cannot under undervalue how valuable those those starts are especially when you're drafting these guys not to be day one starters and not come in here like these guys don't get the starting experience anymore once they're in the nfl they're going to sit in the bench and they're going to try to learn but their starting experience is over and until you put them in a game a guy like bo nix who's who's seen like the bullets flying this many times been able to work through all the issues in his game and is out of place where he's comfortable with the player he is. And under, and like, he's a guy who can just come in, learn the system. And when he co- comes on the field, there's not going to be like a, uh, oh, we really needed to get this guy experience. Like he is going to be battle tested and ready when he comes onto the field. So I think that, uh, with, especially with these COVID year guys, you're going to get a lot of guys who have, college experience and i think that is a very valuable thing that evaluators don't talk about it enough i think at the nfl level they do but a lot of these draft analysts really don't nail home how important these uh experiences in college especially for guys who aren't going to be day one starters all right i think we we
0: got Bonix pretty well covered hopefully you guys have a better idea of who this guy is uh, you ready to move on to quarterback eight
1: Yep. Let's go ahead and do it. All right. Introduce them. So
0: before, so before we introduce quarterback eight, I want to point out that uh, these quarterbacks are kind of broken into categories, not necessarily by some selection process. But six and seven in our minds, these are NFL starters, and like right now, these guys mm-hmm. are draftable starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I think it's fair to say that, to add to the top five guys, right? Then there's a line, and I feel like the dividing line is after Bo Nix in our minds yep. in terms of where, where you go from NFL starters. That's seven NFL starters. That's a lot, right, like for a class. In our opinion, those are seven NFL starters. Um, quarterbacks eight, quarterback quarterback eight, uh, what do we got, six, seven, eight, and nine are guys who we feel are not NFL starters right now but guys who are potentially better players than quarterback six and seven with projection, much higher upside guys. So that's going to be our eight and nine. So let's start with number eight. Many of you are aware of who number eight is. Uh, hopefully you should be aware of who he is. It's Quinn Ewers from Texas. Six foot two, 195 pounds. He's a third year player. He was a five-star recruit. He wasn't just a five-star recruit. He was a number one recruit by 24-7 Sports in America out of South Lakes, Texas. Uh, He initially committed to Ohio State, went there for one year and transferred uh, to Texas. After that, in 2021, he was an elite 11 finalist. Uh, He played baseball. He played played football in high school. He was offered a football scholarship at the age of 11 as a sixth grader. That's how talented an athlete he was. Uh, he left high school a year early to go to college. In 2022 at Texas, he put up 2177 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, he had 52 rushing yards, and a, and a rushing touchdown. He did fumble the ball five times. He had a 72.4 PFF grade, 70.9 passing grade, 59 rushing grade, 43.1 grade under pressure, and a 71.8 PFF grade beyond the first read. He was hurt for some of those games, but those are his stats. Um, and let's hear what you got to t- tell us about Quinn Ewers, Monty.
1: Quinn Ewers isn't—he is a prospect that is polarizing, and you you feel like you get a different guy every single time you turn on a game. uh You know, if Quinn Ewers got to play Alabama every single week, he'd probably be the first pick in this draft <laughs> because the, be a Hall of Famer yeah, two two years in a row. He has been dominant versus Alabama. I mean, people who are watching on YouTube, you can see his grades here, you know, between mostly in the 70s. And then there's that 90.3 against Alabama, a powerhouse football school. And he just has their number
0: um, with several draftable players
1: on defense yep. it, two two draftable corners, like one of the best cornerback yeah. in the country, according to our rankings, two. like
0: two draftable corners one the one who might be the best in the country two draftable edge rushers including potentially the top edge rusher in the country draftable linebackers anyway it, i'm no, sorry go on
1: yeah not to mention the same thing last year with will anderson and Del, uh dallas turner who's Dallas here. that's crazy right. he he is absolutely dominates them those games cannot be understated how impressive they were and those are a big part of his evaluation um so this is the thing about Quinn Ewers. You you went over how highly regarded he was as a prospect. I mean, he had a perfect like one like thousand two four seven composite grade, perfect grade, it be the highest graded uh, prospect or recruit ever. At least tied ever in their system. He has one of the most talented arms I have ever seen. I mean, he. I I was talking about earlier between like the strength and the arm talent, it's almost like a mix between Drake May and Caleb in some senses. Like Caleb has all those like arm angles who can, who just seems to have this deep bag of all these types of throws that he's capable of making. Like he has that, but he also has that like elite power that Drake May has. Like so, it's funny and you know we're sitting here and now we're. We're talking about this guy this late, despite that type of arm talent. I mean, I could go on where, he, you know, he throws with inc- elite anticipation. Like I see times where he is absolutely throwing these, these guys before they even make their break, like constantly I've seen that. Um, he has a quick release. Um, I feel when he's moving around his pocket, he's always, he's always keeping his eyes downfield. and he's, he's not a bad athlete by any means. But the issue is that not there is no consistency to this guy's game. None. I mean, he when he misses, he can miss a guy Ooh. by like 10 yards. I mean, you and I were talking, Sal, where you know, we both watched that Oklahoma game. And I came away from it like, oh, that was a pretty good game. And you were came away like this game's awful. And one of, yeah. one of our, our, our points on this, whereas like, I was like, like you'd brought up an interception. I was like, I think he was just trying to throw it away. Um, and it just ended like he was just cause he's in the pocket. So a lot of times when he throws the ball away, he doesn't roll out outside the box and just, and get it away. He, he has to avoid um, get getting intentional grounding. So he'll try to throw it in the area. It's kind of what you have to do. And he'll do that a lot. But He has such sporadic accuracy that it's hard to judge this guy because like did this guy miss his receiver by 15 yards or was he trying to down to to down the ball like
0: it's it's hard to tell he's 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 so frustrating to watch man like so the name of the game and in describing quinn yours is is just inconsistent you know, it's Jekyll and Hyde within the same game. Like the the play I'm referring to that Oklahoma game, which I agree with you. Like I, like there were points in that game where he was making incredible throws. Like I know what you're talking about. Like he was throwing guys open, hitting the deep ball, you know, hitting home runs. Um, this was the, in fact, the the what I'm talking about was the the 2022 Red River game. Yep. That game where they where they blew out Oklahoma. To be fair, like they dominated Oklahoma in that game. Texas did, and he had a good game, but there were throws in that game where you're like, what the hell is he doing? And the one particular was, he was in the pocket, he was pressured, but not that much. And I think he was trying to throw the ball away, but he just threw the ball. I mean, this is a guy who could throw it on a frozen rope, like 60 yards. And he threw a duck straight into the air. You know, do you remember the play I'm talking about? Like he threw threw a duck straight into the air as if he was trying to throw it into the stands and it landed like, at the I think at the 20-yard line. He punted it. 10 feet in <laughs> he punted it like 10 feet inside from the sideline. The, like the the cornerback is just standing there. He couldn't believe the ball was coming at him. Yeah. And there's nobody around him. He just catches it and he just starts running. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? Like what like there was no reason to do any of that. So it's frustrating because those kinds of mistakes are backbreakers. They mm. you lose football games with gate with plays like that. And he makes them, and it's not just that play. Like he makes throws like that. There are times where he throws the ball away, where he's clearly trying to throw the ball. But when he throws the ball away in bounds in traffic for no reason, like what I don't understand what he's doing. Like he's in traffic, he'll just he'll just throw the ball away. Yeah, you know. And like like, like when he could easily just gun it out of bounds if he really wants to, right? Um, and he does throw the ball away a lot. He does but it's something you mentioned? Like he has a tendency to not even though he has the arm to to beat tight coverage, he has that kind of arm. He just decides to play. He gives up on plays, and he'll, he'll just throw the ball away. He'll go through like throwing the ball away frenzies. You'll see play after play where he's just chucking the ball away. Um, he When he misses, like you said, it doesn't – I don't even know where the hell he was going with the ball. It's so bad sometimes. It looks like, like a throwaway sure where, where I, I
1: can't tell the difference. Yeah. <laughs> They're 10 yards it, over their it, head. It, <laughs> it,
0: it, his good is as good as anybody in the class because he has an elite elite arm. Mm-hmm. His bad is his bad is like a blooper real bad. it's awful it, it is some of the worst I've ever seen. I don't know what the hell this guy's problem is. I don't know if he needs coaching or a sports psychologist <laughs> yeah. but there's something wrong with Quinn Ewers right now. he's not he's not NFL ready. No. not by a long shot right now. Um he now let, let, let's be fair to him. He ha, he has incredible talent. You can't teach what he has, right? That arm is is special. He has a special arm. Now he has a I don't know if you, I don't recall if you mentioned this but he has a funky funky delivery. His throwing mechanics are they're strange. Like we talked about it on the last episode Michael Penix has that weird throwing motion that you know that kind of comes from his baseball background. Where he has sort of that three quarters delivery and he generates pork with it uh, pork torque with it um quinn ewers has a bizarre delivery and the difference is michael Penix jr is consistent with his deliveries consistently throwing the ball a certain way with a certain velocity with accuracy quinn ewers's delivery is not only bizarre in its in its throwing style but his feet are all over the place. It's not consistent. Sometimes he's throwing the ball 100 miles an hour. Sometimes it looks like a dead duck. There are a lot of, you know, mechanical issues with him that I think need need to be fixed. And yeah. I don't know if they can be fixed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sure they can be. There's a lot there, a lot of talent that you can work with, but there's a lot of work that has to go to fixing that talent. And it's just it's troubling that he's in his third year now I think it's his third year starting.
1: Second year starting.
0: So, I'm sorry. So, okay. So the second year starting and you're not seeing progress in yeah. these, in these things, right? That's the concerning part. Right? You're not seeing these things. He's the same mistakes he was making in the beginning of last year. He's still doing that now. Um, Now, to be fair to Quinn yours, some of the guys that we have ahead of him on this list had the exact same problems when they were in their second year starting. Yeah, and they was, were his age.
1: I've been thinking the same thing. Like, the, the and, Like if you're looking at these grades, 72.4, 81.1, we've seen a lot of these guys we've covered who make that jump in that next year.
0: Right. So it's possible that he just makes a jump. It's possible he transfers somewhere and gets his act together and has a reset um, and kind of gets his mind right. And maybe just the experience of being in college for a certain amount of time and playing, he just starts putting it together. Which is the theme of this draft class, right? Guys who who stayed a little bit longer, took advantage of the COVID year, and put it together. In my mind, Quint Ewers is a guy that if he does declare, he's definitely going to be drafted, right? He's too talented not to draft. Yeah,
1: I think he probably goes round two.
0: Could go round two, maybe round three, you know, mm-hmm. but somewhere on day two, I think. But you're spending a pick on a guy and you cannot play Quinn Ewers year one. No, like you just you you stash him. You can't put him on your practice quad because somebody will take him. Yeah. But basically, he's sitting in your he's, he's QB three on your team, mm-hmm. right? And, and he's sitting behind your quarterback and your backup quarterback. And, and his job the whole year is to do nothing but work on his mechanics with a good quarterback coach, and to learn the NFL and practice practice practice. And you hope by year two, this guy can get on the NFL field and put it together. That's if he declares. I think the most likely thing is that Quinn Ewers strongly considers going back to college. And we don't know. There have been stories this week that he, yeah, may we college, he may go back to college, may not that. go back to college. Yeah, I mean, there was a report that came out that he was 90% to go back to Texas. Then a report came out a few days later that, oh, it's not even close to a short thing. Like he's not sure yeah, what he's doing P- because Peter he just Thamel, had a really good game.
1: Pierre Thamel or whatever, the ESPN college football analyst, he said it's, he said it. It's considering it like but it's not even close to a, a done deal. So that's why we're talking. <laughs> and I it.
0: Right. And I think when you hear stories like that, the player is probably thinking, if I finish strong, especially if I finish strong in a bowl game, like he'll play in a bowl game. I, I'm pretty sure he will. I don't think he has the ability not to play in a bowl game. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's put enough I don't think he's put enough on tape to skip a bowl game. If he plays really well down the stretch and he plays well in a bowl game Everybody knows his name, they know his talent, they know the recruit he was. If he looks like he's putting it together, his stock comprises because he goes to the combine and this is the guy who's gonna he's gonna test pretty well, but he's gonna he's gonna be the guy who's throwing like those insane throws in the combine and his stock will just keep going up and up and up and, and, and you know he'll go to the senior bowl and he'll probably do well there like this is a guy that his, his stock after the season can absolutely rise because everybody has this preconceived bias of how talented he is which is real so i think that's why he hasn't made his mind up yep. you know that like he i think he wants to see how he finishes but even if he is drafted i feel very strongly that quinn ewers is a super high upside prospect but he needs to sit he is not ready to play in the nfl next year I'll leave it at that. What, what, what are the thoughts you have on Quinny Ewers?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the best thing for him, like you said, for him to go back to school. I mean, if we were in a situation where Daniel Jones played a good year, but we still feel like we need a quarterback upgrade at some point, I think I'd be advocating for Quinny Ewers to like in the second round, let him sit and try to develop them with some really good, you know, quarterback coaches that we have in this roster with, you on the staff with Brian Dable at the very least, potentially Mike Kafka. We'll see who's on on the staff next year. But, uh, but the thing is, we don't. I don't think we have the luxury. We have no idea what Daniel Jones is going to be next year. We have no idea when he's coming back from the knee injury. We don't know if his athleticism will be the same as was. We, we don't know what's happening with that n- neck injury. We did We can't just take a red shirt year. Right? We're not in that position. But. I think regardless, Quinn Ewer should go back to school. You mentioned his mechanics. I think that is probably a big issue for a lot of this, you know, sporadic uh behavior with or sporadic pros with him is that he he has inconsistent mechanics and footwork, and that can lead to um this inconsistency as a passer. Because when he's on, he is very accurate. It's just when he is right. it's not like he's an inaccurate quarterback. Like when he's playing well, oh. he can he can put it on he can put it on the dot, he can put it right on the spot. But when he's not playing well, you know this is think like the other thing you mentioned was like, does he need a, a coach or a, or a psychologist? Because what happens is when he has a bad game, it tends to oh. build on it on his mistakes. And um, if you go back and watch his Oklahoma State game from 2022, that was one of the games I watched. It horrible. It, <laughs> it was horrible. It felt like it got worse and worse and worse and worse, and it got to the point where you just expected bad plays to happen. It would he'd just be fumbling a snap, and be, of course he fumbled the snap because he can't do anything right now. He is shook. He doesn't know what to do. Like it just got it just each play fed off the last, and he couldn't find a way to get out of it he kept trying harder and harder to like make a big play to get him at, like get out of this this funk that he was having and build some positive momentum and he just couldn't find a way out of it uh you know one thing i had it's worth no go ahead
0: oh, go ahead i'm sorry well it's worth mentioning that like the spor- that sporadic behavior is something that is occurring in the context of one of the top receiving cores in the country. Yeah. Like this guy has a stable of draftable players that he's throwing to. It's not like he's got no help. You've got Xavier Worthy, who is a borderline first second round pick. You've got a Donnaye Mitchell who's right in that same category. You've got some underclassmen who are really outstanding. He has a great running back who would have been could he just unfortunately he, I think he would he have an ACL or some sort Something of injury like that, this week. Yeah. You uh, have, where, you you unfortunately, have Sanders, I think he's the out this season. Right. I mean, That's right. He has Sanders. He has great targets. He just – it's not, got nothing to do with his his surroundings. It's just him. When you look at his stats, money 77.7% adjusted completion percentage. That's pretty solid, right? Yeah, but look at these numbers. Big time throw percent. 3.1% for a guy with that arm with that stable of horses to, to throw to, 3.1%. That's inexclusively low. 1.7% turnover-worthy ro- like play rate. I don't even know how it's that low to be perfectly honest. Rose, like, I thought it be was, was like. higher. <laughs> right, I guess those don't count. Uh you know, but this number, listen to this. He only has an average time to throw of 2.55 seconds. That sounds really great, right? Like somebody yeah. who will do a good job getting the ball out. His pressure to sack conversion rate, 31%. That's Daniel Jones 2023 like numbers. Like that is awful. Pretty much every third time there's a pressure, this guy goes down with the sack and the drive basically dies. Some of this stuff is just inexcusably
1: bad. And something I want to mention to that, with a 31 percent pressure to sack rate, I mentioned how Bo Nix is is last in the country in drop back percentage he's pressured on. Quinn Ewers is third. He is only he's only pressured on 20.5 percent of his dropbacks and he. And he's found a way to be sacked. To get sacked. So you th- hear this Bonix, 14.4% of his dropbacks. He's been sacked four times. Okay. Quinn Ewers, okay. 20.5, third least in the country. He's been sacked 17 times.
0: Yeah. It's it's bad. It's this stuff. Bad. Yeah, the, the data, the data love Bonex. The data hates Quinn Ewers. Hey, it's red flags. It's like red alert, screaming, "Don't draft me! Don't draft me!" Or just go back to school and get this fixed. At the end of the day, you bank on traits, you bank on talent, and if he does decide to declare, he'll get drafted by somebody. But man, this guy needs work. I mean, he needs he needs a lot of things to be fixed. But if this is the good part. If you can hone in on this guy's talent, if you can fix his mechanics, if you can get his mind right, because I do think there's a mental aspect to this stuff, and you get him focused, you get him on some Adderall, maybe, I don't know. like <laughs> You get, you help this kid out, you might tap into a guy who has top 10 NFL talent as a quarterback. That's the upside. He does, If not higher, he could be top five, potentially. He's really got a talented arm. He's got a special arm, but... He's got a lot of work to do. I think he's going to go back to school. Personally, you know, gun to my head, I think that's what I—I I would suspect he's doing. That's the rumor is, um, I've—I've heard it is Texas that he's going to go back to, which right. is interesting, which has implications for Arch Manning mm-hmm. amongst other people. Um, hearing rumors about Arch Manning, also, I've heard i have heard a little birdie tell me that the most likely landing spot for Arch Manning might be LSU, which is something to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but. If he goes to Texas, fine. If he goes to transfer, you know, go. You know, well, there's no more Pac-12, but I would have said go to the Pac-12 and figure it out. But this is a guy who needs to, to, to probably go back to school, and, and I think it's he has eligibility to go back and use that time to figure things out. If he goes to the NFL, are the Giants a good fit? <laughs> the only way I can see him fitting on the Giants, Monty, is if, you know, it's, it's a scenario I dread. But... They decide they're rolling with Daniel Jones as quarterback one next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're saying, screw it, we're doing that. But you also then have to get another veteran quarterback to be his backup and to be a mentor to this kid. So you have to carry three quarterbacks on your roster all year. Can't be Tommy DeVito. Um, And maybe it's Tyrod Taylor. Maybe it's a guy like Andy Dalton. I don't know. I have no idea who it would be. But it's somebody else and you basically want to maybe you go and hire Davis Webb again, you know, <laughs> to fix this guy. Uh, but you got to mentor him for a year and see if you got something. Um, so he's an interesting prospect. But. Is he a giant? I hope not.
1: Yeah, I. That's how I would put it. I'll say I didn't have a prospect in this viewing that I had more excitement watching than I did Quinn Ewers What the highs of Quinn Ewers was more exciting than anybody in this watching. He has true special top talent and the highs are great, but I have a note here for like when I watched the Oklahoma state game, he legitimately looked undraftable. I would not draft the quarterback from, from the Oklahoma state game. So it's, he needs to go back to school. I really do. I would, you know, if he came out, it it he's going to be interesting enough, and you got to have good coaches, and it really could pay off. But I mean, he could be the first pick in the draft next year if he goes back to school, and it wouldn't surprise me. He has that type of talent. He just needs to, he has some shit needs to get fixed, man. Um, you know, I'm just gonna pull up here to just take a look at the chart real quick. You know, he has some weird numbers here. I mean like there's just some parts of the field he ignores. Like there is there is not there's so many spots that have like 11 or less attempts to it. And I know he got hurt, that's part of it, but he really just seems to attack the middle of the field. He doesn't try outside a lot. He has some stupid interceptions right in front of him here. I don't know, man. Uh, there's the, 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 the you can get a lot of information from some of these charts that we looked at there's not a lot a whole lot here with Quinn Ewers it's just not like you said he's not a the data hates him it really does but he is a fun watch he is somebody you turn in that tape and you see why he's on her on this list
0: before we go to our our next guy I will give Quinn Ewers credit for one thing um, anybody who has sat down and watched like four games consecutively coaches film without sound of any player will tell you that it is, there are times where it is like dropping seven ambience because you're like, <laughs> you know, you're really trying to stay awake, like watching some of these things, especially you're doing at the end of the day, you're like, Oh man, I got to keep watching this because you're looking for subtle things, right? You're looking for mm-hmm. subtle things and, and you're watching it and you're watching it. It's like 20 minutes of like this silent movie. Um, I never had a boring moment watching Quinn. No,
1: it, it was good It was
0: like, yeah, it was like, wow, I can't believe you did that. And then I was like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> like, it was, it was, a, it was with full sound without sound. It, it was a so, nice uh, break
1: up after after Nix. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Highly entertaining stuff. All right, you want to move on to Q, to QB nine?
1: Yeah, let's go ahead and and get to it. So our next here are QB nine. I think a guy who a lot of giants fans know about he seems to be a guy who's popular on giants twitter and that's cam ward out of washington state 6'2, 223 pounds so a pretty thick thickly built quarterback he's uh he's in his fourth year he was a zero start recruit out of high school zero stars he went to a card, a, car, a card, word. I don't even know how to say that, but out of Texas incarnate word. Yeah. Um, FCS or division two or something Is it like
0: a, that. It's an FCS. Yeah. yeah.
1: And he transferred over to uh, Washington state with his offensive coordinator um, and took, and took a job over here as an OC. Uh, he was a two time district basketball MVP in high school he has some NFL bloodlines. He has relations to NFL players, Quandary Diggs and Quentin Jammer. Um, his 2022 stats were 64.4 completion percentage, 3,232 passing yards, 23 touchdowns, uh, 58 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns, nine fumbles. Uh, now listen to this, a 59.9 PFF grade, a 58 passing grade a 64.6 running grade and a 28.1 grade under pressure and it's funny with all that all of giants twitter was talking about this guy and there's reasons for it i highlights that highlight tape is something um and there's traits there why why don't you talk a little bit more about cam ward
0: yeah, Cam Ward is a just bomb production product. Uh, you know, like his highlights are incredible. Uh, no, but let let let's talk about Cam Ward because because I like Cam Ward. Uh, I think a lot of people do, and the reason people like Cam Ward, other than the fact that it's a little bit of an underdog story, is that like Quinn Ewers, he fits that mold of a projectable athlete, a projectable player that if he if molded correctly. He has the talent to he has high-end talent. I and mean, let, let's just let's just call it for what it is. His talent is is very, very projectable to a high-end player. Just hasn't done it yet. So physically, you mentioned he's he's kind of a stout, strong guy. He's a strong athlete. He has a big, strong frame. It shows up on film. He doesn't look small out there. Jaden Daniels looks he's 6'4, but he looks he looks frail compared to some of the guys that are trying to take him down out there. Cam Ward is not like that. His delivery is good with good mechanics. He, again, another quick, compact delivery guy. He has a big hour, He has a big arm. He's big time arm talent. When he throws the ball in the short area, he throws lasers like boom. Whether it's you know between the numbers, whether it's outside the numbers, he's zipping the ball with a lot of authority. He has unbelievable off-script ability, which is something we do value, right? A guy who, when the, when the pocket breaks down. He can scramble, he can run, but mainly he's not somebody who's looking to run. He's one of these guys, something we value is when he breaks the pocket and he's off script, his eyes stay down the field. He's looking to hit a home run. He's looking for a play with his arm. So that's something I appreciate about him. I mean, look, he only had 58 Um,
1: rushing yards last year.
0: That just shows it. Right. He's not, he's not trying to run, even though he has the athletic ability and the speed to run, he chooses not to. He wants to be a passer. And I think that's a good trade. He's very accurate, as I mentioned, in the short area, in the intermediate area. And his accurate and, and kind of like Ewers, when he's on, he's on. Like he's accurate. He's zipping it. He's making Sunday throws. When he throws the deep ball, he has really nice loft. Like that's where he, I think he really excels on tape. When he throws that deep ball, he throws just a beautiful arc and and drops it right between his receiver's hands. It's it's just it's a pretty thing to watch when he's on. And he does go through progressions well. He can he goes through his reads quickly. You watch the tape and you see the good stuff from Cam Ward. He does all the things that I'm describing that you think you want to see in a high-caliber NFL quarterback. Then there's the rest of the tape, and that's where the cons come in. He does hold the ball too long. He has a tendency to hold it, hold it, hold it. And even when he's holding it and going through his those progressions, he has a very bad habit of just making the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. Like you see it on tape, like he'll have an, he'll have a, a a receiver breaking open in the intermediate area. He should hit him in stride and just take the yardage and he'll decide that he's going to force a ball into double and triple coverage. uh, And and he'll throw a pick or a a turnover worthy play. He puts the harm, the ball in harm's way, way, way too much. And in, in situations that just don't call for it. Like if you look at the game situations, he's doing this for no reason. He doesn't have to force these throws. He does it anyway. He does it enough where you start thinking it's more of a feature, not a bug of his game. It's just something he does. He fumbles a lot. And I think that also reflects he's holding on to the ball a lot. He gets hit, he fumbles. Um, And, you know, I saw plays on tape. I don't know if you saw them where he has front side blitzes coming from... you know, from a safety or corner. I
1: know he doesn't
0: see them. He doesn't see them like front side. I'm not talking about backside. I'm not like the guys in like, like coming right at him and he does not see the guy and he just gets demolished. Like, I don't know like where the pocket awareness is on some of those plays. Is he so fixated on down the field that he has no clue what's going on around him? Because that's a little bit of a troubling trait, And it happened on more than one occasion. I saw it on several plays and I think defense has picked up on it. Like, Hey, this guy doesn't sense pressure very well. Especially when it comes on these delayed blitzes and he can't get himself out of the way for those because he doesn't even feel it. He's just Mercurial. You know, when he's on, he's incredible. When he's off, he's really, really bad. Um another guy that probably needs a lot of coaching, maybe another year to clean up his 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 game. It comes to the just I mean, it's like Quinn Ewers. If he decides to declare his arm talent is significant enough where he's gonna get drafted. Now, I don't know where he's gonna get drafted. I don't think he's gonna be drafted day you know, in the second round, like Ewers might, I can see this guy easily slipping to day three. In fact, I think he would. I can see it too. Um, But he's a guy that as a developmental, this is a true developmental prospect, right? Talent is there. The upside is there. If you believe you have the right quarterback coach to just sit this guy for a year, mold him, maybe two years, you know, sit him, mold him, teach him how to play the NFL game. He has the kind of NFL arm, athletic ability, running ability, processing ability, where if he puts it together, you're talking about a really high caliber starter. Uh, so, you know, in short, he's a lot like Quinn Ewers, you know, mm-hmm. big time talent, big time arm, even though he was a zero star recruit and Quinn Ewers is a top recruit in America. They're they're surprisingly similar in their trajectory right now.
1: Their, uh, their notes so- look very similar.
0: It was their, their film looked very similar. I mean, I I mean, I think Cam Ward doesn't throw up. Yeah. Like he doesn't throw up the ducks and he doesn't have like the weird mechanics, but in terms of decision-making very similar, right? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. How are you, why are you playing this bad? The game, the game that stands out to me as like the extreme good was the Oregon state game. Did you watch that game this year? Yep. It felt like he was, every play was perfect right he made the perfect read he made the perfect throw he was he completely and that's a great defense Mm -hmm. Oregon State's one of the top defenses in the country and he just shredded them like with no just no problem he shredded them no I, I don't remember the stats I think he had over 400 yards passing in that game and a bunch of touchdowns he absolutely destroyed a really good defense but Then he'll play games against other teams that are nowhere near that caliber, and he'll look like a high school kid out there.
1: Yeah, he had 404 yards and four passing touchdowns and zero interceptions.
0: It was impressive to
1: watch him in that game. And I think Mm
0: -hmm. for for those of us who who were sort of eyeing Cam Ward last year and saying this is a prospect worth keeping an eye on, that game, if I recall, came in the second or third week of the season, the this fourth
1: year. week, but he, you know, he they, they beat week. Wisconsin earlier in the season. And like they were having a, he was having a great start to the year. Um, and right. really, he, had, he only threw for 330 yards and four touch, uh, four touchdowns or North Colorado. I know it's not, but like the start of that season was like, okay, like Cam Ward is here. He figured it out. And, the,
0: and he capped it off with that Oregon state game where he absolutely just wrecked them. Mm-hmm. And, and then the rest of the season happened yeah i have no idea what happened he just fell off a map after that so i mean i spent a lot of time on him tell me what your thoughts are on on cam ward
1: so i I, he's a very a very intriguing prospect i mean i I said that about a lot of these guys but there's a lot of interesting quarterback prospects in this draft he has he he reminds me a lot of the type of things we talked about with like a Caleb Williams, like a Patrick Mahomes, like he has those special, special things to his game where, you know, he creates for himself and has these these crazy arm angles and these awesome throws off script, but he is just so, 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 so much more raw than those guys. Like even college Patrick Mahomes who everyone thought was raw. He like he, looked like an nfl pro compared to camera cam ward the cam ward has so such bad games out of nowhere man and to even like talk about yeah it wasn't even like a total drop off it he had one game versus oregon where he threw 438 yards against oregon like he had a he's had some good games but like but then he's had games like ucla and arizona where he's just been totally off and you mentioned the. Fumbling is a huge huge issue. He has 13 fumbles on the season already. Week That's insane. Week one versus Colorado State. Um, he had a pretty good game overall. He had four fumbles in that game. Like the fumbling is a huge issue for him. Um he you know, I really like him as a player though. Like what he does uh to buy time and is And work off script. It's so, so impressive. I mean, you notice that this year it's gotten even better. Like last year, he would try to kind of just run backwards and, you know, you use his ability to make somebody miss and, you know, throw off balance, make a throw. He steps up into the pocket and moves out and tries to like really like, keep keep going forward when he's buying time. He's not just trying to like take off backwards and tr- and make a play. Like he's trying to always be moving upfield. And that that wasn't something he did as much last year. Even with his off-script ability, it's gotten better and he, he said he always has his eyes downfield uh you know when he is on his accuracy is fantastic. I mean, right. it's, it's, it's keel accuracy. Yeah. It, yeah. He puts it on. I mean, you know, you can see, you see that with some of his advanced stats here, he has a 78.9 adjusted completion percentage. I mean, that's ninth in the country that he, he is an accurate quarterback. It's just, he is sometimes when he, he's a hot or cold QB. And when he gets cold, he misses the hell out of his receivers. And, he feeds off this confidence and, uh, you know, the other aspect of it is just, he does, you mentioned just does stupid shit, man. He will just throw the ball into like triple coverage for no apparent reason. I, I he, he needs to clean up those mistakes. Uh, you know, other things I liked about him. I felt he had to use another guy who added like really good loft and touch on his deep balls. Um you mentioned it he had he has a really powerful arm. Um it's it's an NFL arm. It's not like Quinn Ewers level or anything like that, but it's an NFL arm. Uh yeah, man. He you have anything else about to say about him? I mean he's he's an interesting guy, but he needs he needs more time, I think.
0: Yeah. Ewers and Ward really pissed me off. (laughs) Um, you know, (laughs) they should be so much better than they show. bonix the the data loves bonix the data hates quinn ewers the data is lukewarm on cam Ward and doesn't tell the whole story you really have to dig into the data to match what you see on tape that's good and bad like you mentioned the just the completion percentage um his pressure to sack rate is 24 percent, a little higher than you want it but it's nothing nothing too crazy his time to throw is actually not that bad it's 2.81 seconds Here are the two points of data from the advanced stats that that tell the story of Cam Ward very well, in my opinion. His big time throw rate is only three point eight percent, and his turnover worthy play rate is three point seven percent. One to one big time throw to turnover worthy play rate is really bad. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so for every. Sunday throw he makes he throws a ball worthy of a turnover. Yep. Just think about that. That's crazy. And that that tells the story of Cam Ward. Mm-hmm. Right? And 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 it shouldn't be like that. Right? He should be a guy who's in the 7-8% big time throw area and down to 1 to 2% on the turnover worthy play rate. He's a guy who should not be struggling like this by throwing the ball into triple coverage. But when you watch the film, uh to be honest, I think the data overestimates his ability a little bit compared to how he's produced this year. I think some of these numbers, like the adjusting completion percentage, are inflated by his reliance on the short passing game.
1: Yeah, he has a you know, there's a
0: lot of a lot of quick hitters, right? And and he's good at that. Like he's he's got a good arm, and he he's pretty accurate in that short game. Mm-hmm. And he he moves the ball that way. I think that's basically how he gets things done on that offense. That's not going to translate to the NFL. Right, So for him to be somebody I have high confidence in at the NFL level, he's got to replicate that accuracy at least in the intermediate area where he's in the 70s, 80s. He's got to be able to keep those turnovers down to 1% to 2% while pushing the ball down the field more and produce more Sunday throws. You want that big-time throw percentage rate a lot higher, at least like 6 7% for Gamward. He's got some ways to go on this. He's a bet-on-trades guy, much like Quinn Ewer's. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the arm. If you want to bet on this guy, you bet on him and you stash him. But like I said, he's not close to being ready to start in the NFL. And there's a chance that whatever pick you use on him is a pick that you're just throwing away because he may never develop into that. Mm-hmm. Same as Quinn yours. So that, that's kind of all I've got. I don't know if you want to close it out with some of his data or whatever else you want to discuss on cam Ward before we go to QB 10.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm totally with you. I mean, he's a guy who's interested in me in the past and, I think he's totally worth taking a shot on if he comes out this year and he, he very well might um he should probably go back but i think that he could get benefit from nfl coaching um so I, I wouldn't blame him if he came out you know we look at it yeah like last year the data hated cam Ward. we were talking about pff grades in the 50s this year it's better right 76.8 passing grade 91.8 intermediate grade. Ninety point six grade.
0: And I'm not sure he's a better player this year. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah,
1: I it's it's weird to me. I think he has better highs. Um, you know, yeah. n- no pressure grade of 85.5 and a pressure grade of 51.7, which is not good at all. Um, you know, you look
0: at better better than what he was last year.
1: Yeah. I mean, he has three three grades of eighty eight or better this year. So I think he's really living off of three games where he looked like a true NFL player. And, you know, that's something that maybe if he can continue to take the next step. And you know, those aren't just against bad competition. Those are against some good teams. Oregon and Oregon State. Like if he can
0: two of the better defenses in the country. Yeah.
1: If they he can do that more consistently, he could really rise up the board. He has He's a modern day quarterback. He's that that backyard quarterback style that people look for. That is Cam Ward. He and he has and he has physical traits to match. Um we'll pull up his the graph here a little bit to look at it. Um you know, we, if we look at like his NFL ratings here, he's he's very good underneath ten yards. I mean, he has over a hundred passes in that that between the numbers uh right here in the underneath 10 yards you that's kind of what we talked about that's where a lot of that adjusted completion percentage comes from where he he works a lot underneath 10 yards but you know he works a lot at uh beyond that as well he has 53 passes with 129.6 nfl passing grade um right there but deep he only has you know 15 attempts top left um, 16 attempts deep between the numbers and 12 attempts, right? So, you know, he does not attack the deep area of the field that much. He, he as much as he is a fun quarterback, he's not necessarily a, a consistent gunslinger. He when he's gunslinging, a lot of times it's stupid. Um, it, yeah. it, it, where, he, where he's impressive is buying time for himself and, you know, Playing off script, although he has a very good arm, he's not like it, the deep throw necessarily hasn't been his game. I would say,
0: right. He's an interesting prospect. Uh, again, if if he decides he come, he's coming out. He's coming out to understand that he's going to have low draft stock, and he's going to have to go somewhere where a good NFL quarterback coach takes him under his wing, and mentors him and teaches him, and hopefully. The product of that work is a high-end NFL quarterback because he has that kind of talent. But man, does he need work? Um, that's called kind of all I got. Uh, if if the Giants like again, we'll stop again there for a second. Top two guys in six through ten were were Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix, who we both feel are basically ready-made NFL starters. Um, eight and nine are in the category of guys who are higher upside than six and seven. In my opinion, at least, and I think you would agree yep. in terms of translatable talent, but are kind of a mess right now, and they're not necessarily ready to come in and start in the NFL. But they project as you know as being higher talent level and need coaching, whether it's another year in college or at the NFL level. These are guys that you take to develop truly developmental quarterbacks at the Giants. If they wanted to go that route, you know you could do a lot worse than Quinn Ewers and Cam Ward as developmental guys. You grab and see what you can get. Um, but I think with that, we should go to our final quarterback of our quarterback class. You want to, you want to, you want to do it and close this out?
1: Sure. So, you know, like, like you said, two, two of my favorite developmental trait guys that we've talked about in like in recent history, but a lot of mistakes, a lot of things to worry about those guys as well. So, um, yeah, but we have our last yeah, let guy me, here.
0: Yeah. Let me introduce our final guy. This is QB 10. So this ends our our four plus hour marathon of quarterback reviews with with QB10. It's Jordan Travis from Florida State. He's six foot one, two hundred and twelve pounds. He's a sixth year player. He's been in college since I was in college. No, not <laughs> that far, but uh, since me, he's me. a three star recruit. <laughs> yeah, maybe since you, three star recruit. He was a transfer from Louisville. All of these guys are transfers, by the way. Every one of these guys we've discussed, they were transfers. Is twenty twenty two stats. He had 3,214 passing yards, 24 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 417 rushing yards, 7 touchdowns, 7 fumbles. He had a 91.7 PFF grade, 90.1 passing grade, 79.8 rushing grade, and a 65.5 PFF grade under pressure with an 86 run grade. So, Monty, tell me what you like or don't like about Jordan Travis.
1: Jordan Travis, man. I mean, another guy that the data does love. I mean, you talked about that. He had a PFF grade over ninety last year. That's an elite grade. Um, so that's the reason he's on this list. Uh, you know, despite him being a six-year player, I looked. We he. Ju- I just missed him. I I was graduating twenty seventeen. He started twenty eighteen. So just missed there you him. go. <laughs> um, but you know he's a he's a solid player. Um, you know he has a compact delivery and he's good at getting that ball out fast and efficiently he kind of has that you know projectable like game manager type abilities there um he avoids sacks well um and he has pretty solid pocket presence he has good athleticism he definitely likes to use his athleticism a lot it's a it's a big part of his game but i didn't feel like he had great athleticism but it was good enough uh to work with for him and when he was kind of working fifteen yards in, in I felt like he had really good accuracy. Um, so as far as that goes, that stuff I did like about Jordan Travis's tape. But as I watched him, I there was more things that I was worried about than I liked with him. Um, you know, I kind of touched on it a little bit with what I liked about him, but. Beyond kind of that 15 yards, I did not like what I saw and not really outside the numbers either. He he does not have a very strong arm. Um, He doesn't really make him a lot of big time throws. He, um, I felt that what I was most worried about, about him was I felt he had very sloppy technique. And I saw that show up on his tape so often, and that's what really worries about me. Because you know, he is a highly productive quarterback who has a ton of NFL experience. Who's been in college a long time. If he could come in and be a game manager, you know, there's an argument where we could really start hyping this guy up to be that. And even if he didn't have high end rates, but hey, okay, maybe he could be a system guy. The difference with him is, I hated his his technique and just how he looked in the pocket that was that's what worried me man he he looked he just looked really sloppy when he was making passes on the run he he never looked comfortable in the pocket his his feet were never set he was always just bouncing around and and trying to move he never just like sat in the pocket observed the field and and made a throw from like from like a set stance he was always bouncing around and trying to move um one thing i thought was really weird is he he i can't tell you how many times i saw this guy roll out to the left this is a this is a righty quarterback that is not a good thing to constantly be doing (laughs) because he's constantly turning like his chest to downfield to make the throw because he's rolling out to the opposite side he should be rolling out to and he's doing it constantly um i felt like he he didn't have that that good of a he wasn't that good of a processor i i just really feel like as much as he is a good college quarterback and a quarter who does good things for florida state at the end of the day he's a college quarterback i think that the he is too old of a player to be stuck into these bad techniques and issues that he still works with and not to have any high-end ability i i am out on jordan travis uh how did yeah. how did you feel about watching him
0: i think it, it's important to mention that the reason we put jordan travis on our list is because you're going to see consensus reviews of jordan travis to put him right around here mm-hmm. you know like right around qb10 and it was worth you know worth mentioning especially with his team being such a good team they're very likely going to be in the college football playoff you guys are going to see more of jordan travis you're going to see him in the playoff in all likelihood um and you'll you'll hear more about him scouts are maybe higher on him than i thought they would be not that they're saying he's a first round guy or anything but they're saying that he's he's a solid day 2 guy um in short he's a game manager yeah like you mentioned, I think at the end of the day, like his, his film is very boring to watch because what he does for the most part, snaps the ball. We, we can get into the details of his mechanics, but his job is to snap the ball and as quickly as possible to get it to Keon Coleman or to Johnny Wilson, yeah. like as quickly as possible or hand the ball off to Trey Benson, right? I mean, so he, he's got to get the ball out of his hand quickly to his playmakers, and that's what he does very efficiently. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. To his credit, he's not a turnover machine or anything like that. Um, He doesn't really try dangerous throws all that often. Um, He sticks between the numbers in the short area, quick game. So he has, in some ways, he's sort of like Bo Nix, where he has good awareness of what he is and what he isn't. And he manages that very well. Doesn't have the same talent as Bo Nix, I would say. Um, And his, his, his arm strength looks suspect in a lot of plays. Like you mentioned, his mechanics are strange. He gets the ball out quick. He has a good sh- short, compact delivery. But it's not the same as other people. He looks very herky-jerky with his movement. When yeah. you watch him throw the ball, there, there's he looks like he's out of cadence, right, from his feet up. Like there's something not there's something not right in the firing of the neurons that control his throw. Like in it's a very, like, bizarre motion. Like that. <laughs> yeah, there's just like a very, like like, weird, yeah. almost – it's just what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it'll come to me, but it just looks chaotic the way he throws the ball. And it's just, it's not pretty to watch. I'll put it that way. Does it matter? Here's where I think it matters. You mentioned his footwork is off, he doesn't ever have his feet set. Mm-hmm. And we also mentioned that he has a hard time driving the ball, mm-hmm. you know, outside the numbers and deep. Part of me wonders is that because his feet are never set, yeah. right? Like, is he always throwing from a lack of platform, mm-hmm. right? When he even if, when he doesn't have to, like he's you know you got a good pocket, and his feet are always bouncing around. Is he just underwhelming his throws because he's not using his base? And is this the guy you can coach to have better footwork? I think that's the one thing that's projectable. I know there's not a lot of projectable with this guy. That's the one thing that I wonder. Like, if, could a good coach sit him down and say your footwork are a, is just a mess? And it is hurting your ability to drive the ball. So step your damn feet, plant that back foot, work on it, calm yourself down, throw the ball. I wonder if he could generate more velocity on his throws and have more consistently with his throws. That's the one projectable thing I can I can think of. Um, other than something like that changing, I think he's a game manager. I think he's the kind of guy you draft, you, you develop him, you work on things like this, see if you got something. Odds are he's probably not going to really be a legitimate NFL starting quarterback. Yeah. I think that's the bottom line.
1: And it's like, yeah. I, I'm with you. Like, yeah, you could draft him and try to fix his footwork and all that. But we're talking about a, a six-year player here who doesn't right. have, like, elite traits. Like, I just don't see the point of it. Like, I mean, you people who are watching on YouTube, you can look over here of his grades in 2023. And it's just the just mid it's just 70s every single game to like one low 80 and one high 60 like it's just 70s across the board He is just a fine quarterback who is consistent look jordan travis at the end of the day is a good college quarterback he is mm-hmm. when, when you have wide receivers like keon coleman and uh johnny wilson he puts good touch and accuracy on balls that he can he can put up for those guys to go up and get he does a good job of doing that he's a good job of like under 15 yards using good accuracy and he uses pretty good zip in those areas he between the numbers he he lets those guys be the stars and jordan travis very well could lead florida state to a national championship but i i At the end of the day, I don't see an NFL quarterback. That's simply it. He just, he has a limited ceiling already from physical traits. He is not getting, having it factor or anything like that from what I can see. And he just has bad technique that you're going to have to really work to fix. And I just, there are so many good quarterbacks in this draft so many more that we could be talking about and look I I didn't have any vendetta on Jordan Travis going into this I thought you know there's a reason he's on this top 10 list because when we put this together you know he was high in a lot of lists and he has really good grades really good stats but he's he's
0: gonna be here like let's be real like we're putting him here because I think that consensus views will have Jordan Travis in this territory of like a draftable day two to day early day three type prospect um you know i think that's how people will view him so it's worthy of our discussion i just don't see it like i'm with you i very underwhelming film very underwhelming production solid college quarterback not a ton more than that if he was 20 years old i probably would be kind of excited about the possibilities yeah he's not Mm -hmm. you know and, and that's that so i think that's kind of it with him um I would mention the last few points of data, like the data, like I said, it likes him. It doesn't love, but it likes him. Seventy-two point eight percent adjusted completion percentage rate, five and a half percent big time throw rate, one point nine percent turnover worthy play rate. These are solid numbers. Pressure to sack rate of only thirteen point six percent. That's really solid. That's really good. It doesn't take a ton of sacks, and his time to throw is two point eight seconds. Uh, um, so two point eight one seconds. So. Again, just kind of solid all around, nothing spectacular, and definitely nothing on film that pops as, like, this guy has any kind of special talent. I think, at best, he's a reliable game manager type in fill-in starts. Could he have a long NFL career being that guy? Potentially. I think I think potentially, but I don't think he's a guy who a franchise settles on, and this is your long-term guy. I'd be very sort of surprised at that.
1: I'll be honest. I'm at the point where I wouldn't even
0: backup i really did not like what i see
1: i'll look up more there'll be plenty of time to watch him in the playoffs i'm assuming you'll see from from the you're
0: gonna see him get a chance to perform from the yeah. three
1: games i watched i i didn't see enough upside and i'm and some stuff about his technique really threw me off for a six-year player um i'll yeah one last thing i'll throw is uh some of the grades from this year 84.6 passing grade 83.8 intermediate grade 91.7 dp Deep grade. I think, you know, we talked about like a guy like Michael Penix, who his receivers help him, but he does as much to help those guys as as they help him. That's not yeah, the that's case hard. with Jordan Travis. They, this number's yeah. high because. He does put good touch on the ball and puts it up for those guys. But you have Keon Coleman, who is arguably the second best wide receiver in this in the country. You have Johnny Wilson, who has a seven foot wingspan, who can just come down with these balls. Um, And then a 90.8 no pressure grade when he's not being pressured. Very efficient. 55.3 pressure grade. Those couldn't be any more polar opposite. Those are uh, from elite to terrible. Like there is no in between. I, I think that's just a good sign of a system quarterback. Uh, yeah, man. That that's all I really have on him. I'm I I, I had a poo poo on somebody, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's recap it then. Uh, so again, going back to the very beginning of quarterbacks, one through five, our top top guys. Caleb Caleb Williams, number one from USC. North Carolina's Drake May, number two. We had Shadur Sanders from Colorado, three. We had JJ McCarthy from Michigan, four. And we had Michael Penix Jr. from Washington, five. Every one of those guys, in our opinion, has a first-round grade, Yep. basically. They may not all go in the first round, but they all have, in our opinion, first-round grades, which is an impressive haul for a draft class. Quarterback six through 10 that we reviewed today. Number six, Jaden Daniels from LSU. Um I think he, in our mind he has a borderline first round grade. That's right, um, him, yeah. really good player. Number seven, Bo Nix uh, from Oregon, also a borderline first round grade. Yep. Um, may, you know maybe a little bit behind Daniels. Number those are the two NFL ready guys. Those are guys you draft and can easily go into a into a quarterback room and become the starters and be solid NFL starters within one to two years. Quarterbacks uh, eight and nine, respectively, are Quinn Ewers out of Texas and Cam Ward out of uh, of Washington State. High upside guys, lots of talent, lots of traits, bet on the traits kind of guys, developmental quarterbacks who are very, very far from being NFL starters. Need a lot of work. And quarterback 10 is Jordan Travis from Florida State, who is not a very projectable candidate, just kind of a solid game manager type. Not sure where he fits, but you're going to hear more about him. There were some names we left off the list, Monty, um, and, you know, money. apologies. Yeah, I think worth mentioning these guys, because we're not going to do a deep dive in them. But one T, I'm sorry, Sam Hartman did not quite make the cut. In retrospect, I think he could have slid into this 10th spot. It was close.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, there's a lot of guys who probably should have been in this 10th spot over him. But it's just where it comes down to, it. I mean, Sam Hartman. For me, doesn't necessarily have the arm strength, but he has all of the, from what I've seen, really good form, unlike Jordan Travis, really good technique.
0: Yeah. Um DJ Ukulele is a guy that we originally had slotted for this. And I think worth mentioning and at least discussing for a minute. DJ Ukulele was a five-star recruit. Went to Clemson, backed up Trevor Lawrence, was supposed to take over for Trevor Lawrence. Things didn't work out after a couple of years there transfers to Oregon State which is where he is now. Um 6 what is he? 65 250 pounds. He's a I'm monster. Yeah. And he, and he has the biggest arm in the class. The guy throws absolute rockets. He can throw them all like 80 yards. Yeah. The
1: it legitimately was a video of him throwing 80 yards.
0: He was a mess at Clemson. Another one of these guys that went to the Pac-12 got his got his shit together. Having a really, really good year. Really solid. And I don't want to get don't want to get too excited because he's your guy. And I was laughing when you brought him up, and I don't want to give you too much credit, but he was your guy. Um, he's ascending like steadily, quietly through the process this year. I don't know if he's going to come out or if he's going to choose to go back to school. I'm not sure, but he's he's going to be noticed. Right, and and I think that's another guy like you. Bet he's going to fall into that Quinn Ewers, Cam Ward bet on the traits kind of thing, but with better production. Yeah. this year, you know, we
1: we'll have to look at the tape. But yeah, I mean, definitely better production. And look, if he comes out, you can bet your ass we'll do a player profile on him. Just absolutely, because he's an interesting guy.
0: And a couple of other guys, I'm not going to deep dive into them, but we were we should mention them. Uh, Michael Pratt out of Tulane statue doesn't move much has an injury to was leg. on top of that but a very good passer riley leonard out of Duke, I did not want to mention at all
1: john 2.0 he's the newer model
0: <laughs> he's the newer model um great runner and athlete can't throw for shit uh you know <laughs> so he needs a lot of work i think he's to gonna go back to school anyway he, he, yeah i think he will i think and people
1: we'll... projected his passing to take the next step and it just didn't he's a really good athlete but he needs to be a better passer
0: yeah, um, and then you got a couple of other guys. You've got K.J. Jefferson out of Arkansas.
1: Big dude. Tight end.
0: Big dude. He's, he's, he's going to be a tight end. Uh, and then you got um, Spencer Rattler. I think it's worth mentioning Spencer Rattler, who was once one of the top recruits in the country, went to Oklahoma, lost his job to Caleb Williams, You know, famously transfers to USC. Um, still not great decision-making, but better putting together a quietly sound campaign at South Carolina, probably draftable. Um, so there are a lot of guys in this class. I mentioned them because one, they didn't make the cut of our top 10 Two, because we're just getting started folks. We have now with the conclusion of this episode completed all 11 position groups. So we have gone through and this episode's getting late. I don't care. It's late. I'm going to keep going wide receivers interior defensive line, edge rushers, off-ball linebackers, uh, interior offensive line, offensive tackles, tight ends, running backs, safeties, cornerbacks, quarterbacks. Um, All in all, I want to say we've gone through something like close to 80 prospects,
1: something like that. Something like that, yeah.
0: And. Uh, So we're putting together a list of people that, you know, it's a combination of summer scouting, what we've been seeing in the beginning of this year. We hope that you guys have enjoyed it. We hope that you not only watch it once, but as the draft approaches, you go back and you watch it again. But we're also going to update this stuff. Like we're going to go through some players. We have more to do. We're out of position groups to review. So in the coming weeks, we have some cool stuff coming up. Um, We'll keep you guys posted, but it'll be, you know, a little hint. It'll be some combination of things like mock drafts. Reviewing other position groups and players we missed. There's going to be a lot of stuff like that. Uh, You know, just keep the ball rolling as we head towards draft season. But um, that's kind of it for the player profiles for now. Uh, As always, we we, we give you guys some games to watch. Monty, do you have any particular games you want to see this weekend?
1: It's not a great week of college football like last couple we have had good weeks um i think the number one game to watch out for is washington versus oregon state you know for sure number five team in the country versus number 11. something we've talked about oregon state a lot this episode oregon State has a very good defense despite what cam ward did to them um we'll see what michael penix does versus them uh dj Ugaleley. what did
0: we do oh, he does against washington yep. yeah it's, it's actually an intri- intriguing matchup
1: it's, um, You got
0: any other games on the on the docket there that you're interested in this weekend
1: not a ton man i mean as far as like ranked first ranked you have you have a classic kansas for kansas state but i don't have a ton of uh nfl prospects to talk about in that game uh
0: yeah i'm looking at the list and i'm like not intrigued by a lot of these games i will say that um the UNC Clemson game might be interesting to watch. Sure. Uh, simply because there are several draftable prospects that we've reviewed on both of those teams, even though they're not, you know, top 10 teams. Obviously, you have Drake May on UNC. You also have uh, Bryson Nesbitt at the tight end.
1: Tez Walker. You
0: have Tez Walker um, on defense. Um,
1: Eric Carter. The- well, Clemson.
0: No, no, on UNC, uh, Cedric Gray. Is, is it Cedric Gray? Yeah. Um oh. the the linebacker. Um and then obviously in Clemson, you mentioned you know Barrett Carter, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., Ruka Roro, um Wiggins. The, right, Andrew Wiggins. Uh I'm sorry, Nate Wiggins. And then you have uh we didn't even go over some of the offensive prospects on the Clemson team, but mainly it's uh it's the kids, Will Shipley, mm-hmm. the running back, yeah, who yeah, I think sure. is is a part of their offense. Uh, I don't I think he was hurt. I don't know if he's if he's still hurt or if he's playing, but there's some good prospects. So just from a prospect perspective, that's a good good game to watch. Um, and that might be the way to approach this weekend other than the Washington Oregon game, which is a 730 game on Saturday night. Um, that's kind of it. That's an episode. That's our that's our entire review of these prospects quarterback and otherwise. Uh, thank you again, guys, for all of your support. Thank you for for the look. Yeah, it's been amazing. It's been a ride. The quarterback episode last week the, the traction it's getting we, we just can't thank you guys enough if you want to follow us as always you can find us on apple you can find us on itunes on youtube you can reach out to us on twitter i'm sal at queen at queens underscore guy you can find monty at, at monte cristo at m-o-n-t-e-c-r-i-5-t-o or you can just reach us at our at our twitter handle at he's a giant pod spelled out um
1: I think that's it. <laughs> you got anything else, Monty? That's it, man. We made it through all the groups. Thank you guys so much for your support. It was incredible. Like I said, we're up over 6,000 views. We're approaching 300 subscribers. So please, you know, keep telling your friends, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. We, we appreciate all the support. We really do. Um, but yeah, that's all we got for now. And we'll, we'll, we'll see you guys next week.
0: We'll see you next week. We'll have something cooking for you guys. You have a good one. Go Giants. Have a good night, guys. Go Giants.